0: It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. (laughs) Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice.
1: All right, back at it. High noon. Bells are going off. Whistles. Rothman and Ice. Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice-Hayes. CB, back from the nude beach. We'll get to that in a minute.
2: How's everybody feeling? (laughs) You forgot the sirens too, right? Wednesday at high noon. Don't we get that in our fine city? Yeah, the purge siren. No, I'm doing well. Everything is fine. Had a uh, fun sports night last night. Watched a ton. But man, I mean, the NBA this morning, dropping it like it's hot. All type of news dropping everywhere. Some, well... I think all of it's bad. I think everything that came out today, none of it would qualify as good. Two head coaches fired. Star players. Everybody's out. Being out. One with Kawhi Leonard with a knee injury. We may not Mm -hmm. see him again. CP3. He's in the COVID protocols. Who knows when we see him? Scott Brooks for the Wizards. See ya. Stan Van Gundy for the Pelicans. See ya. It's unbelievable what's happening this morning in the association. But before we get to that, how are you? Fine. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Average. to best. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I, I feel I wanted the Milwaukee Bucks to win last night. <sighs> Sorry. <sighs> yeah. I... Stupid. Stupid. Yeah. I, I can't yeah, watch. This is why I can't watch the NBA. Can't do it. <laughs> I, I can't it. invest anymore. <laughs> I and I know Durant had messed around and got a triple double <sighs> and I admire it. Yep. I do. And he was amazing. He was unstoppable. But I, in any other sport, you get a lead like that. I just don't understand how you cannot. These are pros. These are professionals, man.
2: This, oh, it just their kills execution me. down the stretch was hot garbage. Oh, it was gosh. hot garbage, and one I on saw, one, one on everybody. Well, that's that's where we are. But what I saw is a lack of a bag for Giannis, and what I mean by that is if they get in the half court set, ar and they set up that wall, he ain't got a lot to offer. He's got to get downhill. He's got to be the roller on the screens and the screen setter to get open. Like There's just not a lot there. This guy's a heck of a player. Won an MVP, a couple MVPs, Like We know what he's about. But, man, when it comes to these situations, this has shown up time and time again. So I understand he dropped 34, but when they Ah. needed him, and crunch time? He fumbled the ball away when With, they needed no him in doubt. a tie game. No doubt. And his free throw stuff it's is, garbage. like,
1: psychologically damaging because they put him on the clock. Yeah. Slow it's like doubt. a pitch count. Yep. Like, and I understand he's trying to get focused, and I'm bearing the lead. I, I really am. Because I do think it is Durant. I do. But there, I just can't get out of my own way on a 17-point lead. And then, and then this garbage about, you know, Barkley knew they were going to lose at halftime. He didn't know they were going to He didn't say that. He did not say that he knew they were going to lose at half. And I'll tell you when we knew. We knew when the Nets cut it to six at the end of three, then you knew. You had a really good feeling about it. But the people that think that the Nets came out, like I, I don't know who was doing the interviews afterward, and they were asking Duran, like, what was what was Nash's halftime speech? You've mm. got you guys going. Mm. Got you guys going. That was a 16 point lead at half. It was a 17 point lead halfway through the third quarter. It was nothing about the halftime speech that got it done. Oh, like you'd think that the Nets came out and went on a 20-0 run out yeah, of the gate. That yeah. didn't happen. No, it, it didn't. And that's happen. what bothered me so much is the people that, that didn't watch the game. They're up 16 at the at the halftime, and they're up 17 at the seven minute mark. Like so, there was nothing about halftime speech or flipping a switch. There were guys that were really good. Green Griffin very good. Mm-hmm. They had to hit shots, they did. And what they did, and here's what I loved about Durant last night. He just wasn't he wasn't settling, that's for sure. But even without the ball, setting these backdoor screens and doing everything that a that an all-time great will do mm-hmm. to will his team to a victory, he got the other guys involved, they stepped up and the pick and roll with Griffin when they would double him mm-hmm. on a rare occasion worked. And and as bad as Harden was, I mean, limited. Not bad. Sure. He was limited. Yeah. He didn't shoot well. Right. Um, the fact that he toughed it out and went yesterday from doubtful to questionable <laughs> to I'm playing is kind of weird. Right. <laughs> but the fact that he played, his ability. And by the way, when you got a bad hammy and a guy's not shooting well, why do you got to be all up in his grill? Mm. Why Why do you have to defend him like that? A make him go around you because he doesn't have the burst. Or two, he's not
2: having a good shooting night. So give him a little space and tempt him. Well, you don't want to cook, let him cook up those step backs, which he is an absolute beast at. So you got to play it there. He's an unguardable force, whether he's on one leg or not. And I think that was a huge thing just to have him out there. His presence out there I agree, was huge. His because His
1: passes were still
2: deadly. That's what he I'm saying. He can still so, throw a high-velocity fastball from way out top to a cutting dude. He's an all-time great offensive player that has that skill set in his bag, too, that you mentioned. So I I thought that was huge for them psychologically and just obviously the stuff on the floor because Milwaukee, you have to respect at least James, Hard- James Harden's presence on the court. So I think that definitely helped out mm-hmm. Brooklyn. But the headline is KD. And this is why I sat here yesterday and said all the people that have been on TV and all the stuff that I've been reading that were feeling bad Mm -hmm. for KD, sure. I had not having Kyrie and James Harden is a huge deal, but I knew this is what he's capable of. We've seen Kevin Durant do things like this throughout his career. He's always had amazing players next to him. Sure, we've had that conversation, but the player that is Kevin Durant is an absolute freak show, and you saw it yesterday that – at his size with his shooting ability, he's unguardable. When he gets locked in like that, he had the midi on automatic, man. He really did, and he went four of nine from three-point range. So This is why when they assembled those three guys, a lot of people said they're winning the championship because they have so much offensive firepower that they can throw at you night in and night out, and if one of these guys has it to this level, I don't care what team they're going up against, they're going to put the opposing team in a weird spot, but I'm so glad you Highlighted the others of last night as well. They were great. Crafty vets. Blake Griffin really and good. Jeff Green. Jeff Green oh, knocking it down. Seven of eight from three for so, Jeff Green. Oh, my God. Unbelievable, so- man. And so- it's the
1: only way they win with Durant being the only player in history. <laughs> To go forty-five plus fifteen plus ten plus in a playoff game, he was on one. He was on one, man. I, I mean, let, th- let that settle. Oh, I right, settled in last the night when I was watching it live. In history, I know. I There's know been some good ones. His team needed a win. He delivered. Yeah, uh, that's a performance for the ages. But it, to get there, he also needed help from his dudes that showed up. And the thing that bothers me about Milwaukee is that they must not be psychologically sound because now I, I hope they can they know that they I don't know what they know they could probably spin it is that they blew the game mm-hmm. I thought Giannis by the way Giannis the one that KD doesn't want even talked about Giannis gave KD the ultimate compliment sure so like he's the best player in the game. world right now yeah so maybe KD can soften a little bit on his uh I don't want to I don't want even to hear about this guy which <laughs> So bizarre, but whatever. Oh, but, but at the end of the third, I'm watching this game. Man. You would have been proud of me, dude. I was locked in, and there was hockey on, and I was okay. trying. Like, I was locked in. Yeah. I was like, okay. It's a big game. I, we talked about it a lot yesterday. Yeah. I want to follow up. I want to invest in this. <laughs> I, I told you I was leaning Milwaukee in the series, mm-hmm. but that was before I knew Harden was playing. I yeah. thought Harden wasn't going to play. Not that he was great, mm-hmm. but like you said, he had a he His gave, presence alone is enough. Yep. If Harden doesn't play last night, did the Nets win? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But... But I watched the end of the third quarter, and it's just horrendous defense. And that's fine. They're limping They're limping to the end of the third. And I'm like, okay, just get to the end of the third. See if you can just man up for the fourth. And P.J. Tucker takes a, bas- a ball out of the basket and does a casual inbound in a playoff game on the road in a game you're leading by 17. And, like, and it's like it's a turnover. Yeah. In fact, the, the camera actually cut away from it and then Marv Adams was like, oh, and a turnover! Like, I'm like, what turnover? Everyone's retreating. How could there be a turnover? Like, that's how bad Milwaukee was. <laughs> and you know, listen, Shamit was good. Like, he played well. Uh, Durant's step back, Jay is just—it's unreal. And and it forced it forced guys like Drew Holiday to kind of not be selective on their shots. And you know, here's the other thing, Giannis hardens on you you gotta
2: take him man told you he doesn't have a bag man he does but, not but, have a bag but, but
1: one guy's on one
2: leg yeah but when they put up that wall there's nothing he can do there's nothing yeah. he can do but what the Brooklyn Nets have and kevin durant and kyrie irving is two of the all-time great shot makers yeah. the sport has ever seen and obviously in two different body types kyrie's handle is ridiculous but a dude at his height, talking about Kevin Durant, the sport's never seen a guy that tall with that length I be know. able to shoot like that and make any shot on the floor. So now all the pressure's back on Milwaukee and we'll see what Giannis mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. Does he draw the Kevin Durant assignment? Does he want that? How does that affect his offensive game being, you know, putting all that effort on the defensive end to try to slow down Kevin Durant? What I would be frightened of if I was a Milwaukee fan was James Harden again. Right? And what we get from James Harden in his second game of this series. Cause I can't imagine it's gonna be this bad. Now, maybe Katie doesn't go for 40 plus the way he did in that, in this game, but I don't think James Harden is gonna look the way he looked last night. I think it was a totally rust game for him. A lot of his shots were short. You could see he just didn't have his legs, which makes sense. But if he's gonna cook up a little sliver of what James Harden is, Milwaukee's in trouble. So we're gonna find out. They're back at home and they have their backs against the wall. But with KD and James Hart on the same floor, you should be spooked. Yeah,
1: I mean, they're in... Tr- they're, I don't know if I would say they're in big trouble, but they're in trouble. Season's but on the are, line. Well, that's what I mean, but I also feel like one guy who tested his hamstring for a decent amount of time last night now would have to bounce back again. Maybe And maybe it did loosen up. Maybe they can stretch it and therapy that up again. Yeah. But my feeling is, why are the Nets going to go all in to try to put them away when they know that you're going to have Game Seven at home if needed. I know you don't want don't to go want to mess around with, but, with but, a Game but, Seven, but Maddie, from a from a from a mental side of it, did the
2: Nets really follow that up with a knockout blow? I would, like, yeah, I would hope. I would hope. Yeah, you don't I, want to mess around with Giannis, Drew Holiday, and not. Chris Middleton in a game yeah. seven. I know we're talking about their collapse, but I, I don't want to mess around with that trio, yeah. especially if I'm Kevin Durant and my guy James Hart may not be healthy. That's all i all. Well, I'm that's saying. what you just go said. get it he in may game six. Not,
1: Right. But my point is, if, let's say you do go all out to try to win game six, because it's an elimination game, yeah. and you don't win it, mm-hmm. and now you just taxed Hamstring Kid again in a game you lost... And then what if he re aggravates it? Yeah,
2: I don't want it in my mind at all that we're gonna kinda take it easy right, in game six, easy. you know? Like I, right. I I wanna stomp okay. on their throats now that we have them up against the wall like this. Yeah. I would think that
1: Vegas would think that Milwaukee would be the favorite in game six.
2: Yeah, back at the crib.
1: But I don't think that's the case.
2: Well, they got nets by. I'm going to take five? I don't know. I don't have a number on it yet. I'm going to look for it. It can't be very high.
1: It can't be very high. I'm it, going to go like five. I don't f- have a point spread, but okay. I may have a money line for you. And we'll talk about some soft earned dollars because I feel like I would put my soft earned dollars in game six on Milwaukee to just win the game. Forget the spread. I don't even know what it's going to be. Yeah. Either they're getting a little or giving a if little. If I had to
2: lean, I'm with you. I'd lean Milwaukee. I'd lean
1: Milwaukee. And I'm going to tell you what, what value we might be able to get on that
2: real quick. Yeah. It's just been nuts. Now you talk about the Kauai thing and how that impacts that mm-hmm. series with the jazz. I think the jazz mm-hmm. are feeling great with game five on their floor uh, tonight. And then Stan Van Gundy getting fired with the Pelicans is big because of who's on that roster and Zion Williamson. So that's going to be a very appealing job uh, down in new Orleans. So, just a, a crazy night in the NBA with a historically great performance by yeah. KD. And then this morning, some unfor- a lot of unfortunate news with two-star players going down and two head coaches getting canned. Yeah. Been crazy. I'm glad I watched it, but I'm not. Oh, come on. Have a little fun,
1: man. I, I feel like I have some satisfaction of knowing that I watched something that happened in the NBA last night that has never happened before. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, that's good for you. That's cool. That's, like, good that's for live. You. Like That's a cool thing, 45-15-10. Yeah. Like, that's... And a guy that what had to, to will his team back. Right. Like, I got to see probably the best game he's ever played. Live.
2: Yeah, one of. There's person, no debating but, that. But,
1: I mean, I know he had one with, uh, what's the one I'm thinking of? The one. Uh, oh,
2: he's had so many great. Yeah, no, there was Alzheimer's a big one. The 54 man. game. Yeah, he's been. That he's was say, a big he's one. just been racking up yeah. points, man, his whole career. Can't imagine but This is how a playoff game
1: without Kyrie and Harden on one leg yeah. and the fact that they were down 17. And then and he hey, said, here we go.
2: You drop this, you're yeah. going on the road with your season on the line. Yeah. But now it's reversed and now yeah. all the attention goes back to Giannis and what he's yeah. going to do as one of the faces of the league. I love what's going on yeah. between these two star players going back at it. I love it. Uh, Adam Schefter, 12:33. 33 uh, Nate Ebner, great
1: former Buckeye Olympian, will join us at 133. He wrote a memoir about his family life and his father and the lessons learned. It's pretty incredible very emotional. We'll have him on at 133. Uh, We'll do some deep dive. Uh, Will Nick Chubb demand uh, an extension here? Mm. Or will he just kind of fall in line with, hey, we're Super Bowl contenders. Let my agent handle that stuff. Uh, We'll talk to Austin Ward about the Buckeyes at 233 as we get knee-deep or calf-deep into the summertime. But camp will be here before you know it. Off and running, Aaron Rodgers also... Still sending shots, subliminal shots, to the Packers. That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. All Buckeyes. All Buckeyes. All the time. The Buckeye Show.
3: Weeknights at 6. Your
0: flagship home for Ohio State athletics. The fan. Ohio's sports destination. Joggers or sweatpants. Either way, one size fits
1: all. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Shefty coming up bottom of the hour tell you about my friends over at Germain honda on sawmill road it was over there yesterday got to see that new 2022 civic suite it's there it's waiting for you somebody's gonna grab it go get it before they do and if you got a trade they're gonna overpay for it and then it's a win-win you get the brand new ride and the overpay on the trade rates as low as nothing zero percent they've got more than 500 new and pre-owned I was uh, spit-shining Maddie's new Mustang over there and pre-owned. Mm, thank you. Told Jerry to set it aside for you. Said, my, my boy can't drive sticks, so we're going to have to put him in an automatic. And then we found the black one, which is nice. So you don't have to have the white one. Uh, uh, same-day service, you don't need an appointment. Jermaine Honda of Dublin.com. Their inventory is robust. And it's just nice to see people out looking at cars. And the helpful people at Jermaine Honda on sawmill will take care of you. Uh, see my guy, Jerry, and pre-owned. He's got some good stuff over there. New. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can just hop over and see Marcello and his team. Uh, but you can shop now, Jermaine Honda of Dublin.com. Uh, here's the spread on the game for when is that game? Is that tomorrow night? Friday night? I would
2: think it's tomorrow. What is yeah, tonight? Wednesday? Tomorrow's tomorrow Thursday. Right, right? Yeah, I don't know what day it yeah, is either.
1: I, <laughs> I guess today <laughs> is Wednesday. I think they're playing tomorrow. <laughs> uh, Milwaukee is favored. Makes sense. As we thought. Makes sense. Five and a half, though. Here's the bet. I don't think that's the one. Okay. And I'm going to do this because usually I'll jinx it into not happening. I want (laughs) Milwaukee to win the series. But I would put my soft-earned dollars today Mm -hmm. on probably the nets on a prop bet to win this in seven right now. Yeah. So essentially... Yeah. I'm just going to have the Nets winning in seven because I think the value is there. I don't think there's much value betting Milwaukee to win game six. Mm-hmm. And I then would there be no value in betting the Nets. So I'd rather bet it now, yeah. thinking they just split the next two. What can I interest you on $100 softer in dollars to Whoa. get back on just the Nets winning in seven? That's
2: winning in Four three, seven. and I have to win it that way. Can I get back... 400 bucks no way can i get back no, 200 bucks not quite can i get back 175 that's right okay yeah that's not bad plus
1: 175 nets and seven I'm not mad i at think that. that's where the value is i'm not mad at that and you i almost double you. your money by just saying milwaukee wins game six and win game seven yeah. both both protect home court i like
2: it let's do it all right i like it
1: lock it in yep uh aaron Rodgers, uh you know mr no responsibility but
4: i still like being a football player <laughs> is there sound on this cb yeah, no? there's a there's a little bit. You have uh, Tom Brady going back and forth with him, messing with him. But then yes. you also have Rodgers talking about just kind of the low-key offseason. That's the one. Mm, low-key.
5: Shut up. And you've really kept a low profile this offseason. I've hardly seen your name at all. You haven't hosted any TV shows or been involved in any kind of controversy or anything. It's been a nice, peaceful offseason for you, it sounds like, AR. Yeah,
6: it's been, thank you, B.A. It's been one of those quiet offseasons you just dream about where – You just kind of go through your process uh, on your own quietly. And, um, you know, that's all you can ask for as an older player in the league and someone who's been around for a long time and just enjoys that time to yourself to just relax, to not be bothered, to not have any obligations or anything going on. And, you know, I think that's what this offseason has been about. It's been about really enjoying my time and spending it where I want to spend it and not feeling like I have to go anywhere, not
2: having any responsibilities, but still being an NFL player at the same time. It's been great. Isn't that the dream? Isn't that the dream? Hey. We had it for a while. Hosting the radio
1: show from your bedroom. Very true. But that's
2: not bad. Although you did have to host. Yeah. We did have to do a little bit of something. Imagine just
1: taking the summer off and coming back for football season.
2: Well, I think what he's saying is, I'm still getting my work in, Mm -hmm. but I'm kicking it with my new wife. Mm -hmm. I'm out here in Hawaii. I'm talking trash to Tom Brady, or better yet, Tom Brady's still talking trash to me about the NFC Championship game. He's feeling good. Look, and if there's any guy or guys around the league that have earned a right to say something like that, to me, it's Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Now, some people may back in Green Bay may not love hearing that, but he is living his best life right now. And I'm sure, you know, when he is not, you know, playing the guitar or whatever we saw him doing down there in Hawaii, he is still doing football things. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that, but he's laid back chilling and he knows right now that, hey, I don't really need to be there. Me losing the $93,000 ain't hurting me that much. So I'm still going to work. I'm still going to get my workouts in. And whenever I decide to show up is when I'll show up. Yeah.
1: Well, they'll come for that money eventually. Sure. They don't have to do it now. But he wore that I'm offended shirt with the anger emoji on it. (laughs) It's kind of a funny shirt. I love
2: this dude, man. I love that he plays into it. You love the fact that he's a complicated fella. Well, hey, Mark Murphy, you're going to throw that out there? I'm going to wear a nice little T-shirt for you, man, and let you know how I'm feeling. It may not be exactly how he's feeling, but it's something. It's something. something.
1: We'll ask Shefty about it next. Rothman and Ice on the fan.
0: On air, online, on the app. New methods of consumption. Same great radio taste. Take us with you everywhere. The fan, Ohio's sports
1: destination.
0: NFL Playbook with ESPN's Adam
5: Schefter.
1: All right, it's that time of the week. A great time of the week. We get to talk to the senior NFL insider for ESPN, our friend Adam Schefter. Good afternoon, Schefter.
3: What a big NBA day it is today, gentlemen. How about all this NBA news flying yeah. around? Yeah.
1: Crazy. Man. I mean, it's first of all, i know you love the sport and I get into it yeah. during the playoffs and Maddie loves it all season. But yeah. last night, uh the the job that Durant did, and I know that, that oh. Barkley and and the team of TNT they were they were trying to Put one foot in and one foot out. Like It's hard not to acknowledge Durant. He's the lead. He took over the game. He was unstoppable. But you got to find a way to coach that thing to a win when you're up 17 midway third quarter. And maybe it's just me as a casual NBA fan. I look at a 17-point lead in the NBA. It's It's like nothing. It's nothing in the NBA. It's. Uh, I don't know if that's yeah, great this, or not.
3: Now with the, the three-point line, and it was interesting because if you'll notice at halftime, Charles Barkley said, I think the Bucks are going to win the NBA championship, but they're the dumbest team I've seen. And I'm thinking, well, how can you be that dumb and think that you're going to survive against a tough next team and then in the Eastern Conference Finals and then the Western or the, the championship round? Like, it, it's, it's hard to be dumb and prevail time and time again. Eventually, it catches up to you, and they took apart the ways that Milwaukee failed last night, and then it came back to bite them in the end.
5: Yeah, it
1: was a wild game. I, I uh, watched every minute of it. Uh, we're watching wild, yeah. yeah, every minute of the soap opera with Aaron Rodgers. Let me ask you this way. Is there anything that you hear or would make you believe that Aaron Rodgers will show up for training camp in late July?
3: You know, yeah, I hear you. How about this? Uh, for as closely as I follow that, I don't know the answer. And, and I think the Packers don't know the answer. And I think Really, there's one guy that knows that answer, and that's Aaron Rodgers. And uh, what's to say that he doesn't change his mind between now and then? I mean, he may be of the mind, I'm not going, and he does wind up going, or he could be uh, of the mind where he says, I am going to go, and then decide not to go. And so, um, (laughs) you know, I know that the Packers were preparing or hoping to have more meetings with him, more meetings in addition to all the meetings they've already had with him so that they've essentially spent a lot of their off season trying to convince him why Green Bay is the place for him and why he should return and trying to address his concerns and issues. Right. And it hasn't worked to date to date. Now my understanding is that there's going to be more conversations and more meetings. They want more meetings. We'll see. And uh, they're prepared to have this go up until training camp. Now what's going to happen then? I don't know. It's a, that's a month from now, a month plus, six weeks from now. And there are a lot of people have changed their minds many times. So we'll see how it shakes out. I don't know the answer, and I don't know that they know the answer.
2: Shefty, one quick one on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, again, just a follow-up. Did the comment from Mark Murphy, the complicated fella, add any more mm-hmm. fuel to this fire from what you understand?
3: Well, let me just say this. We can only go by what we know and see. And Aaron Rodgers did a Zoom call on Tuesday to promote the match with Tom Brady, Bryson DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson, and he was wearing an I'm-offended shirt. Now, that may have been just completely coincidental, but he framed his Zoom shot. He knew that he was going to be on. He knew that everything he said and did would be analyzed. And so, yes, we're going to analyze that. And I'm going to say that as smart as Aaron Rodgers is, that he doesn't accidentally – wear an I'm offended shirt he doesn't just accidentally just you know this looks like a comfortable shirt to wear today on this conference call today I know I've got a million shirts with a million brands that I represent and uh you know I've got all kinds of cool clothes and but I'm gonna wear this one
2: (laughs) yeah it's crazy (laughs) absolutely want to hit you up on a running it
1: sounds like he's a
2: complicated fella yeah, we all are. <laughs> <laughs> what did hit you up on uh, Le'Veon Bell, Shafty in the news the last couple of days, had some comments about Andy Reid. First off, your thoughts on that and what you understand about their relationship and, and a little follow-up. What's the kind of market looking like for Le'Veon right now as a veteran running back?
3: Well, the running back market in general is very soft. And the fact that he's still unemployed tells you that it's not very appealing at all, that He's looking at a veteran minimum kind of contract with some upside for incentives on performance and production. And I, you know, I don't understand. You know, you could feel that way about Andy Reid. I got no problem with that. Um, I think Andy Reid is one of the more respected and beloved individuals in the league. But if you feel that way, well, why would you say it publicly? What, what What do you gain by that? And I think anyone, anytime, you know, we make our living with words, talking. And and I try to be very measured in the words I choose and use. And so if I feel like Andy Reid is a jerk, who I would never play for again, and I'd rather retire, if I share that view, what is the upside for me? Do you think that there's going to be more coaches in the league, all these coaches that grew up in the Andy Reid show, say, boy, that Le'Veon Bell, he knows the guy that we know really well, and let's go give him a chance. Based Like, no. <laughs> Half these coaches in the league work for Andy Reid or with Andy Reid at one point or another. I, they love the guy. So when somebody comes out and says that, and obviously Le'Veon just justified in saying that's what he thinks and believes and feels. Okay, I got no issues with that. But you probably just turned off half the league right there when you're trying to get a job anyway. I, you know, Again, I, I always say, you know, with anything you say, what, what's the upside, what's the downside? And I... I I, maybe I'm missing something. I don't see the upside there. I don't see it. Tell me what I'm missing.
1: Yeah, I don't know. He he wanted his feelings known about that somehow. I don't know why. Have you heard why? Is this just a football thing that
3: I I I, I just think he's talking and 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 he feels that and so he says it. And so you know, sometimes you just got to be a little bit careful about. What he, now maybe he doesn't care, and that's that's his prerogative. Yeah, I, you know, I don't have an issue with that. I, I'm just looking from my line of thinking. You're asking me, and I say, what does he gain by that? Yeah. Uh, and what does he lose by that? What, what he loses by that is, well, he probably just eliminated himself in Buffalo. He probably just eliminated himself uh, in Chicago. He probably just eliminated himself in a lot of places that have coaches who are in place because Andy Reid helped bring them along. That's all.
7: Yeah,
1: no, it's it is weird. I I don't know. I mean, it could be just a football thing that he would maybe he was promised something that Andy Reid didn't deliver on. That's the only thing yeah, I can and, think and, of.
3: And by the way, and and, yeah. and that guy so say that so say that mm-hmm. say that so say boy Andy Reid told me he used me more and he didn't. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you you're right to be this, but don't say I. I well, I'm not going to tell anyone what to say. They can say whatever they want. I just you know I'd rather retire than play for Andy Reid. Okay, okay. How come? Why? Let me understand why.
2: Where are we headed with this Stefan Gilmore situation in New England? Do you think that's anything that happens this offseason, or do you think they're going to let this thing play out with him?
3: Well, guys, you know, listen, we've, we've got a lot of holdouts right now, right? Guys that basically didn't show for mandatory minicamp. Aaron Rodgers, of course, everybody knows. Jamal Adams in Seattle didn't show. Xavier Howard in Miami, who led the NFL interceptions last year, didn't show. Stefan Gilmore didn't show. So there, there's a lot of guys that that want new deals, and and many deserve new deals. So now is the time I think to try to make a statement. Jamal Adams got an excused absence, so he doesn't have to pay the ninety three plus thousand dollars in fines. Uh, Stefan Gilmore's coming off a partially torn quad would not have been able to participate anyway, so he gets to make a statement for missing a camp that he couldn't have taken part in anyway. Xavier Howard got a contract extension. In. May of 2019 or two years ago that he already believes he's outplayed. So he's in a spot where he leads the league in interceptions, plays great. Now is trying to make the dolphins pay and the dolphins are like, Hey, we just dig your contract to years ago." That, that that's, that's a challenging precedent for that organization to set, to reward a great young player and then to turn around and then redo it. You know, that, and that's the thing that every player has to wrestle with. You can do an extension anytime you want. And it's always a good idea, I think, to get guaranteed money while you can because the sport is so physical and violent. Um, but if you do that, you're under contract. Now, I know that you guys have a limited shelf life. Uh, and it's their right to ask for more money whenever they want, that they can get it more power to them. Players should get whatever they can get every time. But I think it's hard you know, when you've got – I think Xavier Howard's got three or four years left in his contract and he just did the deal two years ago. Um, That that you're in a tough spot there to me, but let's see what happens.
1: Talking with our weekly visit with Adam Schefter here, ESPN senior NFL insider. I know the Deshaun Watson thing is still very much in doubt, and we don't know what the league is going to do. Whether this is a commissioner exempt deal, whether there's something Mm -hmm. in the personal conduct policy. So I'll ask you this: If the Texans are going to move on from him, how and when, and yeah, I guess how and when can they do it?
3: Well, I don't think that they're going to do it until the Deshaun Watson situation is resolved one way or another, and his value is restored to a higher level than it is now. Now, maybe uh, this is going to go the other way, and there are going to be more women that come out, and maybe the situation gets worse, and who knows the type of damage it does for Deshaun Watson, right? So that always could happen. But let's assume that it doesn't go that way. Let's assume that these suits are settled, um, that Deshaun Watson basically serves his discipline with the league, does whatever he has to do. Uh, I think once they get past that, uh, I think that's when the Texans act on him. And I think people forget, before all this happened, Deshaun Watson told the Texans he never wanted to play there again. So he doesn't want to be there. And they don't know what to do with him now. And they've moved on from him. I mean, they went and signed Tyrod Taylor. They went and drafted Davis Mills. They went and signed Jeff Driscoll. They went and added three quarterbacks. You don't do that if you're planning on having Deshaun Watson. So they've moved on. Now, when that happens, it it looks like it's going to be a while. They're prepared to have it go a while. I personally think that they don't really care whether it lasts the season, and they have to trade him after the season at that point, when maybe his value to a certain extent in their mind is hopefully restored. So we'll just have to see how it plays out, but I, I I don't think it's anything soon How about that.
2: Yeah,
1: and here's and I know that we don't have time for a, a long answer here, but they don't want to pay him though. Like if 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 they believe he'll no, be on no. paid leave and he reports for training camp, then he gets his salary.
3: Yeah, well, no, no, he, he, he he's not showing sure up camp. That's not happening. Okay, now the question is: Is he put on commissioner exempt? Is he an excused absence? Is he this? I I don't but. I I don't expect to see Deshaun Watson in Texas camp taking snaps and reps.
6: Yeah.
1: All right, Shefty. Good job, man. Have a great afternoon. Thanks.
3: Thanks, guys. Enjoyed it. Be in touch. Be well. Stay safe. Talk next week.
1: You got it. Adam Schefter on the Bryant Heating Coin Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Okay, a lot there. We'll come back and talk a little bit more about Deshaun's situation. It's pretty complicated. And then there is a little bit of feel that Aaron Rodgers may not be so beloved in a certain area, an important area. We'll tell you about that next. Rothman and Ice on the Fan. The best soccer team in the land lives on the best radio station in the land. <laughs>
0: Proud to be your flagship home for the Columbus Crew all season long. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Dog advice? Check. Gambling advice? Check. Eating broccoli for every meal? Check. Yeah, no,
1: this is Rothman and Ice. Welcome back in, Rothman and Ice. CB back as well. Shams Charania, Senior Lead NBA Insider for the Athletic and Stadium. Yep. Tweeting out that there is fear that NBA star Kawhi Leonard has suffered an ACL. Now, I will tell you this. Watching that highlight, Mm -hmm. him running down the floor... Ball in hand and getting bumped in stride mm-hmm. looked like a very normal NBA collision, like nothing. Yeah. Almost nothing. He didn't go down. Like, usually, if you tear an ACL, there'd be fear of, like, right away, you hear it pop and mm-hmm. just you can't mm-hmm. put any weight. You go down. He ran off the floor, essentially. So, hopefully, it, it's not a tear, it's a severe sprain of some kind and certainly there are different grades of it but if that's the fear then
2: that's awful yeah it's awful and that puts a whole lot of other things in motion uh, for Kawhi and for the Clippers this was their window Mm -hmm. I mean now he's got an opportunity after after this season to say does he want to go elsewhere what does the remainder of his career look like Remember, this is a big part of the San Antonio stuff, right, where all that drama was going down and how their medical staff handled Kawhi and all of that. But we've known that the leg stuff for him was problematic, and you can watch some of his games throughout the year and really see that he really doesn't have the lift day in and day out like he usually does, and that's why a big narrative around him was sitting out a whole bunch of games and low management and not playing him back-to-backs because his body's been wearing down, and especially the lower half. So now... If you add this uh, possible ACL injury to this guy's Mm kind of injury resume, if you will, that just puts a whole bunch of question marks around what type of player he'll be moving forward. We've seen him really have some really big time moments throughout this playoffs. For the most part, the dude has been lights out, but this has always been a fear. So. Yeah, it's been a wild day in the NBA today, and it's just a lot of bad news coming out of the NBA with injuries and all type of other stuff. So you you got a lot of candles
1: at home. Why don't you just light a lot of them? Why don't you do like a little prayer circle? I can handle
2: that. I I can handle that. I can handle that. All right, let's get that
1: going. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has kind of played this international man of mystery. Let's go to Hawaii. I'll marry you know an actress. Sure, everything's fine. He's entitled to do this, and everyone knows, and we've documented the reasons that he legitimately can be frustrated. Mm-hmm. There's a report here by Matt Lombardo, um, fan sided NFL insider, and and I, I who knows who puts this stuff out, right? I, I I can't be sure what I really believe right now. Yeah, but he wrote a story that said. A former NFL general manager told him that Aaron Rodgers is selfish and teammates don't like him and coaches don't like him because it's all about Aaron. They they all deal with him because he's a superstar. He helps guys make money and put food on a table for their kids, and people respect him for that.
2: Buying it no, or not? No, not buying it. It's, too, the timing of this is... It's too ironic. We're coming off the kind of situation last night where he's wearing the T-shirt, and then today we get a story about him being a bad teammate. It's I'm not buying this AR, and the reason why I'm not buying it is just because we've had recently, in the last couple of weeks, guys on the team right now mm-hmm. that have come out publicly and saying they're supporting him and all that, and Devontae Adams and David Bakhtiari. Well, he has it, friends on the team. I, I I'll admit, you know, everybody knows that. I'm just wondering what well, the sense they is. They didn't cause... have to come out and say that. They didn't have to come out and say they support him and they're going to ride with him and all of that. I mean, I, I, that to me holds some type of weight, whether they're friends or not. I, you know, so I just think this is back and forth. And I think this is the Packers playing games through the media again. And it's an anonymous old GM, which to me leads me right back to good Murphy. may not Mark be well, not. I mean, a guy that's not a GM right now, not old as an age. I'm just saying a guy that used to be a GM. Yeah. So when you're talking about a guy like that giving out a quote like this, yeah, I I just yeah. can't buy it. I'm gonna semi buy it. I,
1: I don't. I, it's not like it means anything to me because I feel like the longer this goes on, and if this GM believes or former GM believes that this shows how selfish Aaron really is, then he had some personal deal on this like there's something that's connected and and i told you that i feel like you know eventually you have to move on as a team i know you say you want him traded because that'll help everybody move on because then there's no there's no rescuing it then it's over mm-hmm. then we, we're going with jordan love we're not waiting for superman to swoop in yeah put on his cape and rescue us like i and i agree with some of that but i'm thinking more big picture on this but We'll see. We'll see what Aaron Rodgers does. I, that's why I asked Shefty earlier, like, you believe, is there anything that you that you would believe that he would want to play or come to training camp? And I, I wouldn't because the ultimate thing, and we've been talking about this, and everyone is is talking about it, we don't really know what needs to change if he would reconsider. I've not heard anything of that. There, there's no nothing that Aaron has said Makes you believe that, well, if certain things change, then I would be willing to come back. He's not open that. He's not even put a crack in the door. So I don't. All these meetings and potential and money and all that and guaranteed stuff. I, I don't. I don't. I don't see anything rescuing this. And I almost feel like when he said that stuff about no responsibilities, but I'm still a football player. Well, at least that tells you. You know what? The only thing that does tell you, Maddie, yeah. that maybe his if there's a bluff of retirement
2: that's not quite there yet. Yeah, maybe a sliver of it. I just took it as he's still getting his work in. Right? Like mm-hmm. I don't need to be up there in Green Bay. I'm still doing mm-hmm. what I need to do. I'm still doing all my quarterbacking stuff. And the the part of what's going to change for him, I don't know if we'll ever know. I don't know if we'll ever know. But I think a large part of this for me is that The relationship's torn between Mark Murphy, Brian Gudekins, and Aaron Rodgers. And I think that's where we are. And I don't know if he looks at those guys as people he feels like, hey, we can circle back around and get this Mm -hmm. thing headed in a better path than what it is right now. But when I hear a report coming out anonymously from a former GM kind of dunking on Aaron Rodgers, yeah, I'm just not going to buy that. I'm going to roll with what the current guys are saying on his team right now. And everything that I've heard is those guys are supporting him. And when he decides to come back, if he decides to come back, they'll welcome him with open arms.
1: Uh, we'll hit a Sports Center update top of the hour here. Uh, Bryson and Brooks did not get paired by the USGA, but they commented about the potential of it. That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan.
0: Keeping you entertained with our vast selection of hot takes and play by play for over 25 years. Proud to be your home of the Buckeyes, the fan, Ohio sports destination. Old school and new school, joining forces to give you an education.
1: This is Rothman and Ice. Welcome back, second hour, Rothman and Ice. Anthony Rothman, Maddie Ice Hayes, CB back in the saddle. We will have Nate Ebner on, former Buckeye, Hilliard native, Olympian, 133 Mm. on his new memoir. Crazy resume, right? Unbelievable, really. Yeah. One of the most unsung athletes you'll ever (laughs) imagine. Just decides to do something and he does it. Uh, We'll have him on at 133. Uh, You know, the, the Brooks Bryson thing didn't happen. We've talked about this a lot. And. Both those guys met the media this week, and I've I've been on Team Bryson because I wanted to pick a dude, and it's not because I don't like Brooks. I feel like a lot of the antagonizing has come from Brooks for whatever, for petty reasons or whatever. I I don't like him. Uh, I don't know if anyone's either one of the guys is on record as saying why they don't like the other guy. That there may be time for that now. Uh, I don't know. CB, you do have some sound bites from these two dudes, or no? Did you, were you able to snatch that up anywhere? Nothing. I get it. okay. Okay. Uh, I, I feel like both these guys were asked yesterday about it, and they both acted like, well, it didn't come through me. I mean, I, I would have done it, And and Bryson is now saying it's great. Here's where I got to call Bryson out now. I got to be fair. Bryson said it's a great banter, and he loves it when people say "Brooksy," and he thinks it's hilarious. I think that's a lie. I think it's a lie. I think he's starting. He's trying to embrace it because that's the only way, only thing he can do now. But if we want to believe what happened at the memorial is true, where pointing dudes out, mm-hmm. then he doesn't think it's it's hilarious. Then he, then it isn't fun yeah. for him, and I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with him saying it's not fun for me. I'm a professional. I understand that people get to yell at golf tournaments after I hit a golf ball, but it's getting tiring, and I don't know why Brooks is fueling this fire. I've never, you know, and so also I would have, I would have been okay about it. He said if they were paired, but nothing went through him. Well, as the story goes, it did. His agent was asked about it, and his agent wasn't unilaterally making that decision for him. Mm-hmm. I Think he would have asked him? You want to take this on this week? It's a national championship. You know, you're trying to defend. Yeah. Like, would you want to take this on? And I, so part of me believes that this is a lie now, that Bryson doesn't believe it's great banter. On the other side of it, Brooks touting that this is growing the game. We've got more eyeballs and more views and more clicks than we've ever had before. That's accurate. But is it for the right reasons? And I don't think Brooks is doing it to help grow the game. I don't. I think rivalries are born on the course, not off. And I do think that USGA probably, and I know you'll agree with this, and I've come around to it, and I did say this to you last week, that it'd be a ratings bonanza. Mm -hmm. I'm more into the suspense of it. If you want to keep this thing going, then don't pair them yet. Um, And because if they just play a normal round and shake hands at the end and then that's it, then it fizzles. But it does fit. It's a US Open it's one of the toughest to win. Yeah, it's our national championship. Two Americans, hmm. and I'm—I've probably come around to that this is a missed opportunity because it seems like the right timing to do this. But now I got to call both guys out because I don't think Brooks is into growing the game. I think he really doesn't like this guy and he gets under his skin, and he's a little insecure about him, about all the magazine covers and all the distance, and he get it farther than anybody. And I think Bryson is now lying to himself that he thinks it's fine and great banter, and I think it's hilarious.
2: All of this stuff is all in the same pot for me, A.R., and it's still coming out a delicious meal. All of this mm. stuff to me. I, I love this. I, I absolutely love it, and I completely agree with Brooks. I can't dip into his mind and personally get a feeling whether he really um, thinks this is great or he wants to continue to push this for the sport, but on the surface, he's absolutely right. If they don't have this storyline going into this weekend, it's just another normal weekend golf. And there aren't, to me, a bunch of people that are really tapped in to see what's going to happen between these two guys. I don't like the decision not to pair them. I think some of the conversations I've been hearing and have heard about this have gone way, way, way too serious about how this is negative, negatively affecting the sport. I I don't think we're Mm -hmm. to that point just yet. I think it's fun now. Do both of these guys thoroughly enjoy all of this? Maybe not. But I think for us on the outside looking in, I'm viewing this as a really, really positive mm-hmm. thing for golf. That's just how it's hit me. I, I don't mind the Brooksy stuff after the shot and all of that. I'm all about keeping all of that stuff the same as far as respecting the sport, respecting guys in their space and respecting what they're doing during their swing and all of that. We don't need any of that nonsense affecting them but everything else, when that ball goes into the air and comes down on the fairway or in the rough or whatever, it's fair game to me. So I think Bryson needs to toughen up a little bit here and not be so, to me, a little soft based off of everything that I've seen and how he's handled it. And I think Brooks is just embracing this and he's adding a little bit more fuel to the fire, whether it's the video with the free beer and all that. Like, I just think this is really good. And I am, but I think there's some real hardcore golf people that aren't enjoying this, and I'm having a hard time understanding why, and I think it's kind of reminding me of when we saw a bit of a turn in the NFL with all the celebrations and the first down signal and all of that, to where, hey, it took people time to warm up to that, and there's still people to this day that don't love it, but I think sometimes in sports it's okay to add layers to it, mm-hmm. and I think this is just an additional layer to golf that's yeah. been needed. That's all. I'm that's just the camp. Yeah,
1: no. I, I think you've raised some good points about it, and like you say, I've I've come around to that this is probably an opportunity that needed to happen that they needed to take advantage of because of a couple things. One additional one is this U.S. Open is set up at a course where distance is rewarded. Yeah. This isn't Marion. This isn't some place where it's a shot maker's course where okay. it's, this is about distance, okay. Tori. and you have two of you have the longest hitter on tour <laughs> and one of the dudes that, that also can right. hit it pretty far. Right. And I do think them trying to out hit each other and try to beat <laughs> each other would be nice. Even if they never said one word to each other the whole time. Sure. Now the other argument here from a traditional standpoint is that they don't just play as twosomes? You'd be throwing another guy into this ring, right. With them, right. is that fair to that guy? Uh, and then and that's maybe why eventually they didn't pair them. Maybe that's it. Yeah. So it's it's very. I agree with you. It's it's got people talking people that didn't know Brooks Capka from anyone, mm-hmm. and probably didn't know Bryson DeChambeau, mm-hmm. although he's a little more recent in the news. Yeah. But for the non-golf person, if the non-golf person heard that they were being paired together, I think they'd be interested. Would they be glued? I don't know. This isn't a boxing match. But, and that's why I don't feel like maybe they would tune in just to see if people
2: were yelling. I don't That's the difference know. to me. But, it's, not, it's not sitting down for their entire 18 holes. It's the fan that mm-hmm. wouldn't watch at all. That's now saying, yeah. oh, I got to see what's mm-hmm. going on with those two guys, even yeah. if they sit down for a hole or two, just to see. And I think that's what golf is missing here. Because the dream for all of us is these two guys playing on Sunday and the final pairing or whatever. Like, that's the dream. But the sport had an opportunity to create a little bit more buzz going into that. And I am, like I said yesterday, maybe you get both. <laughs> maybe you get early on. They play together and late. They play together, but that's not going to be the case. So I just think anytime sports have a chance to spice things up and it can be authentic with big-time names, I think you should do that because I think it's only going to grow your sport even more. interest in it, yeah. And I think that's where we are. You got to compete, right? Social media, you're competing with everything else going on. I mean, they're competing with... You know, yep. the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, mm-hmm. and OTAs in the NFL. NFL is always a monster. And they've chipped away at it a little bit. They have. Just they a little bit. They
1: incentivize their guys with the $40 million
2: There pot you go, right? So, so who's moving the needle? I love that. Yeah. So I hope we continue to get this. I don't think it's going anywhere. I hope this weekend we get something going on with these guys together on the course. It'd be off the chain, man. It, it, it really would. Uh, but, Bryson kinda going back a little bit on that, it's interesting to me. That the he- golfing gods
1: are shining down, then somehow this will happen this weekend. Who knows? But the long and short of it, and I and I wish and I and I, I don't want to tell you that I know everything. I don't. I haven't heard every interview they've done. Yeah. But if both those guys got to a podium yesterday, which they did, was Kepka asked why don't you like him? We already know you don't, yeah. based on your social media and the gifts you put out, and the performance-enhancing, you know, Kenny Powers gifts you're putting out. The, it's the, the like, sorry, bro, like tweet we, to we, Rogers. We know <laughs> that you don't, sorry, bro. And I think most people will tell you that he just doesn't like him, the, the quirkiness guy. of
2: him, because yeah.
1: he, he, Deshamba wanted his ball moved because of the ants, mm, the fire, fire, ants. fire
2: ants. It's a pretty good movie, by the way. Ants, Disney movie, and, not bad.
1: And then the slow play. We know he doesn't like him about the slow play. Yeah, like that bothers Kapka. This has been going on for a couple years now. It just finally really bubbled to the surface. Mm. I mean, Dechambeau admitted that that Kapka would kick his you know what physically. Did he really say that? I, yeah, I think he did. And Kapka said, "You're right."
2: Okay. <laughs> See, that's the stuff I need. That's the stuff <laughs> I need. Like, but it's is... not. We're not throwing them in a cage. <laughs> Why
1: that's not? A, well, then maybe they do a made-for-TV, <laughs> some something just oh the two of them. But, it, but I think that there's part of people that view this as being manufactured. See, I'm not in that area because no. I do think – because I told somebody this. The video that leaked from the Golf Channel where Kepka rolled his eyes when DeChambeau marched by him in the metal spikes, yeah. he just can't t- – you could tell. Somebody said, oh, well, that that's fake. He, he knew that that – I go – the the interview wasn't live. Yeah, he had no idea that was going to go out. It, it seriously did bother him. He that dude gets under his skin, and that's why. And then him capping off the stuff at Memorial, rewarding his fans who were yelling Brooksy at Bryson. Yeah, man, yeah, Send some beers, Send man. some beers your yeah. way. I the golf rivalries usually are born on the course, and they're they're the evolution of it is on the course because usually guys eventually get paired together. The guys that are, you know, whether it's Dustin and Jordan and Rory and the Mm -hmm. top guys in the sport will eventually be on the leaderboard in the same area playing in the same group or competing for the same big titles. But the fact of the PGA Tour, and they don't run this, the U.S. Open, the fact the PGA Tour said it would start awarding $40 million per year spread out among 10 players who are helping to boost the popularity of the game, is this what they had in mind? I think it it really wasn't.
2: But it it accidentally got here. But see, don't back now. Don't back down now if you're golf. Don't go back the other way. Let your hair down a little bit. Button you know, get the buttons down from like two buttons down to about five or six. John Travolta this thing. Yeah, show off the chest hair a little bit. Golf, that's what I'm saying. That's all I want. Because I here's where I think. I don't think this thing gets crazy. On the course, like that's not a fear of mine. Between these two guys, I still think fans though. It's the fans they're afraid of. Well, I don't think we get to that point, and here's why: because I think you can set a precedent that if you do any of this nonsense, you're out. So what is what is the nonsense? You know, yelling things during the backswing. Oh, during the backswing. That's what I'm saying. That that's all I'm saying. All of that stuff. Like if you're messing around with these dude swings, you're out of there. And I think if you set if that, if you precedent, can identify that, yeah. if you think that if you set that precedent as for the PGA Tour, then I don't think you're going to get a bunch of craziness. Now, when these guys are walking up, you know, fairway number nine or whatever, of course there's going to be people yelling stuff. So we've done that already for years in golf with these large crowds and everything. So that's why I don't understand the conversation of. The fear of where this can go, because to me, nothing wild's gonna happen, and I think Bryson should be able to handle a couple guys here and there yelling "Brooksy" at him and not calling him any name that's completely out of bounds. That's just how I feel about it. I know there's people on the I other would, side. I'd of be it. tired of. I, if I'm Bryson, I'd be like, thing, like, I'd be so tired you're of. You're a it, professional man. athlete. You don't think. No. NBA players and NFL oh, players and Major League Baseball players that hear stuff all day Different every day. Sport. No, what I'm saying, but as a when you play sports, those mm-hmm. are things that come along with it. Is that you mm-hmm. got to be able to handle people saying words to you, mm-hmm. like, and that's why I didn't really rock out at all with what Bryson was saying because to me that's a nothing yeah. thing. You're a pro athlete. You get paid a ton of money to go out there and live a great life. You should be able to handle things like that.
1: He loves it when he hits 370-yard drive at Bay Hill. And every, and I don't think Brooks likes that very much, and I think a lot of it was born from that. And it, we got a new buff daddy, as mm. I keep saying, on the tour. Got to get Brooks so, in the lab so a little am, bit more. So I'm at the point now where I do feel you know, that I've softened on it, and I will say that they, this was probably a missed opportunity to, to do it and then put it to bed or not, which they didn't. And now it just – I think the silver lining is that the suspense – still goes on. It's there. That they haven't put it to bed yet. It's so there. We may get it eventually. Hopefully, And man. we may get it the natural way. <sighs> and then it would mean more because then they would be on a weekend paired together.
2: Yeah, I like that, but it, it's okay. It would have been perfectly yeah. fine for me if they put them in the pair. I agree with or that. Today but, but, if or it's tomorrow. The, but the
1: first time they ever get paired, that it's that it's not manufactured will also mean a lot
2: to I think the percentages yeah. on that are fairly
1: I low, know. though, and that's what oh, I'm you never know. That's
4: all. I know. Yeah, it's,
1: Maybe wait in a while. Yeah. Uh, We have a pretty good pitcher in baseball who says, well, they got rid of the doctrine of the baseball, and now I'm injured. (laughs) Are we buying this? Rothman and Ice on the fan. We are everywhere. On your radio. Online. The fan
0: app. Alexa. And behind you in your car. Right now. Too creepy? Sorry. The fan. Ohio sports destination. Movie references you may not get. Even if you saw the movie. This is Rothman
1: and Ice. All right, welcome back in Rothman and Ice. Wild times in MLB as averages start to come up. And the MLB trying to save face and credibility and integrity on the fly. And so they've put this in right away. That if you're caught doctoring the baseball with foreign substances and the umps are going to check you a couple times a game and they're going to get on it and they're going to start doing their jobs, that you'll get bagged 10 games. And although I heard it's with pay, which...
2: Yeah, great. great. I mean, punishment. what kind of penalty is that?
1: Great punishment. Right. So I can doctor the baseball and you'll find out and then I'll have to sit and miss a start yeah. or two possibly, but I get paid? What are we doing? Like to me, that that and that's a whole other conversation, but I wanted to get to Tyler Glass now, who's played mm. a pretty good role in in his team's standings. Right? Boy, I mean, that boy good. Yeah, he is good. He is good. He's 27 years old and now he's on the the IL, due to a partial tear of an ulnar collateral ligament. He's got a strain of his flexor tendon. In English, his elbow hurts. <laughs> and while the team is still waiting to see if he'll need surgery, he's made headlines now because now he's blaming MLB. And this is the great irony. He's blaming MLB for his injury. And, it, and he didn't pitch badly the other night. He started against the White Sox. Yeah, he was done after four innings, 53 pitches, but... Um, he didn't. He was fine. He struck out six. He walked just one. He he got up to ninety seven. I saw the four seam fastball was ninety seven. He was generating swings and misses a lot of them. And but now he's got this problem, and here he is on the crackdown.
5: I a hundred percent believe that contributed to me getting hurt. Uh, no doubt, without a doubt. Um, I think like it's it's ridiculous. I'm just gonna. I have used sticky stuff before. It's ridiculous that like it seems like this whole public perception of like. Oh, just like select few of people. Like your favorite pitcher probably 50 years ago was using something too. Like if you felt these balls, how inconsistent they were, like you have to use something. So in the past, I my like substance of choice is sunscreen and rosin. Like just nothing egregious something to where I can get a grip on the ball so it doesn't feel dusty. But two starts ago against the Nationals, I went cold turkey, nothing. And before that start, I remember when all this stuff came out, I was talking to people and talking to doctors and they were like, the thing that maybe MLB doesn't realize or that players don't realize is like, what what is the injury? Like, what what is the prevention of like, maybe that'll add to injuries. And in my mind, I was like, that sounds dumb. That sounds like an excuse a player would use to make sure he can use sticky stuff. But I threw to the Nationals with nothing. I've never been, I don't use sticky stuff to, I don't use spider tack. I don't need more spin. I, I have huge hands. I spin the ball fine. I want grip. I did well against the nationals. Probably one of the best starts I had all year. I woke up the next day and it was like, I am sore in places that I didn't even know I had muscles in. Like I felt completely different. I switched my fastball grip and my curveball grip. I've thrown it the same way for however many years i played baseball. I had to chain, I had to put my fastball deeper into my hand and grip it way harder. And I had to, instead of holding my curveball at the tip of my fingers, I had to dig it deeper into my hand. So I'm like, choking out <laughs> all my pitches. <laughs> my cue I used to use with Snyder was hold the ball like an egg, like nice and loose, be loose. That's out of the window. So I, I now have to develop a new cue. I have to develop something where I can't hold the ball light anymore. I have to dig it deep into my hand. So I'm taking... All right. First thing...
1: I applaud his honesty. Heck yeah. I, I really do. And the part of this was the way Garrett Cole answered it. Well, I, this has been going on. It's kind of been grandfathered in. I don't want to say anything. It's kind of been a very public knowledge that this happens, and we need grip, and now there's no substance of any kind. No wiggle room. Like, they're drawing the line on the fly. So are, my, my question is, are these umps really going to do a forensic test on the mound? Sunscreen versus rosin versus spider tech? Are they going to? We'll find out. Glass now said he stopped using. You heard that. He started gripping the fastball and the curve differently. Uh, could they hurt themselves with different grips? Possibly. It sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's all be honest for a second. They're using it to enhance spin on the baseball. That's why they're using it. Well, so, He
2: said he didn't need it for that. That's eh. what he just said. Is that I he think that's need a residual it.
1: effect from, from this stuff. I think you're going to get more spin. So now batters will get hit more is what they're saying. Like, this makes it unsafe for batters because now these guys that are trying to throw in the 90s don't have a good grip on the ball. Well, the last thing I checked, last time I checked, pitchers don't want to walk dudes. Yeah, nobody wants to get hit. Offense is going to go up, but I, I can't side with him on this. I can't side with that That this is important to them and they should have let them
2: keep doctoring the baseball. What, I, what I'm interested in is what are the hitters okay with? What are the hitters okay with? Because clearly some of them want the pitchers to use something to protect them. And that's what I'm saying. That the batters are going to get hit more, that's what the pitchers are selling. If the hitters are okay with them using sunscreen or rosin or whatever, Mm -hmm. then I'm good with that. Because I do want them Mm -hmm. to feel some sort of comfort, because that's a scary place to Mm -hmm. be in, man. Where they stand and how close they stand when these guys are throwing that hard so that's where i'm at what are the umpires going to do like you mentioned to police this thing and what are the hitters comfortable with and if we get a whole bunch of hitters signing off on okay we're good with this product in that product then i think that's the way wh- that's where the sport should go but the root of this is major league baseball's problem it's their problem
1: here's and before we hit break we got nate ebner next my thing is I can I can side with the you probably should have done this in the off season or find an off season to do it. But I understand why that would be tough to sell to to the to the sport and fans that we're going to continue to let these guys pseudo cheat because they have been forever. We'll deal with it later. That probably could have been a PR problem as well. We'll I- get back to it. Nate Ebner next, Rothman and Ice on the fan. What's the best way to scare your kids into submission? By blasting morning juice through
0: the speakers. You're welcome. Morning juice.
4: Weekdays at 6.
0: The fan. If you are not kind to animals, humane agent Rothman will
1: kick your ass. Humanely. This is Rothman and Ice. Welcome back in, Rothman and Ice. Anthony Rothman, Maddie Ice-Hayes. And we welcome to the program uh, one of the great stories in all of sports, he is a Central Ohioan, he's an Ohio State Buckeye, he's a Super Bowl champion, he's an Olympian, and the list goes on and on. But his motivation uh, certainly came from uh, tragic times as well. Nate Ebner with us. Nate, it's great to talk to you. How you been? I've
7: been good. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Yeah, I am really lo- was really looking forward to talking to you, especially the fact that congratulations on the book, number one. Uh, finish strong, a father's code and a son's path. Uh, this is quite an undertaking because I imagine that it took you back to some very tough places with your dad's tragic death, but also maybe uh, what drives you today to keep living and honoring his memory. Was it tough to write this book? and did you always think that you after you know your careers were over sports wise that you would document it with a book?
7: Um, you know, whoever knows if we're going to write a book or not, um, that's a tough, <laughs> tough one. I, I always really knew I had a cool story and it was different than everyone else's, uh, you know, as you've got so many different teammates that come and, you know, everyone's got their own story. Right. But, uh, mine was definitely unique and, um, obviously the the motivation behind it was really Urban Meyer, uh, came up to me one of the off seasons and was like, you know, um, Nate, you need to you need to tell your story. And I tore my ACL the following season uh, with the Patriots, and I was like, you know what? I think I'm gonna take him up on that. So I uh, ended up writing the book that year. But you know, to answer your first question, you know, it brought up some some uh, tough tough memories. But you know, uh, losing my dad uh, at 19 the way that I did, it was something that I had to cope with, and I did cope with early on and um, you know, really telling this story for me was, in a way, therapeutic. It brought up some great memories and hopefully honored the type of man that he was. And, you know, obviously gives credit to everything he did for me and, and my crazy journey in my life. Uh, you know, without him, that that wouldn't have happened. So, um, you know, I like to tell people this, this book is, is really a great love story more than anything else.
2: When you mention great memories and you talk about your father, can you share any of those moments or one moment, uh, you know, maybe from your book or just anywhere throughout your life that when you look back at your dad, it's something uh, that you will always remember in a positive light?
7: That's a tough question. <clears throat> There's so many, <laughs> so many memories that I could go back to. Um, you know, I, I, I think about us playing rugby. I think about the junkyard and, um, I think about just the, the wild character that he is. Um, uh, you know, my, my writer, uh, Paul Dirty talked about how, you know, the book's about me, but really the best character in the book is my dad. Um, but I'd have to say, you know, our times in the weight room, um, those are memories that I'll never forget. Um, you know, those were the types of days that would change me. I think when I look back at it all, uh, the, the growth that I had, and the person I became, and then you know the person that I really liked about myself, right? Um, that all came from 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 the weight room and, and pushing yourself to your limits and trying to exceed them and trying to grow and uh, just being consistent. And, and uh, you know, we shared that stuff together. So the weight room is, has always been uh, it was a good place for us in our relationship but it's always been a place for me now uh looking back to almost you know it was our our spot so anytime i'm in a a weight room in a way i feel closer to him than anywhere else
1: Nate Ebner with us uh former buckeye olympian as we talk about his new book and his story finished strong a father's code and a son's path so you know it's what i find interesting is your dad's love was rugby and obviously most sons are attracted to their father's love, which you were, but there was a detour in there, and that was football. And you never played high school ball at Hilliard, right? I don't remember you. You weren't on that team, were you? No. Oh, so no. so what happened then? I mean, I know you're growing up in Buckeye Nation, and you're you presumably feel like you're a great athlete. But what'd you do? Call up Jim Tressel and say, "Hey, I I want to play ball." I mean, did they? They must have been like, "Well, where's your high school tape?" yeah
7: (laughs) no i mean that's an interesting sort of the uh you know there's there's preferred walk-ons which are the the guys that hey we want you to come to our university but we're not going to give you a scholarship but we you know we want you to be here and then there's like what i like to call like a real walk-on like (laughs) you have to go through a tryout process uh in the middle of a winter um you know, I talk about that in my book, and that's actually one of my, you know, favorite parts to talk about is what that walk-on process was like at Ohio State. You know, you seventy eighty 70, 80 kids uh, wearing their favorite player's jersey, um, you know, as we're getting ready to do a, a tryout. It, the whole thing is, is kind of crazy, but, you know, for me, I was one of the best rugby players in the country at, at a young age. I was playing some really high-level stuff against some some of the best rugby players in the world that were under professional contracts. So, like, I knew athletically I had the confidence to to walk onto the football team. Um, but, you know, I didn't know anything about football, and the whole thing was kind of a perfect storm for me. You know, I, I was playing good rugby, but I, I couldn't play professionally. I was still in college, and I would have had to go overseas. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to play football in high school, which you just spoke about, which. I chose not to do because I was in the junior world cups. And my actually <laughs> senior year, my my team won the Division One state championship in Ohio. And um, you know, I like to say they obviously didn't need me, but I missed out on that. I'm at Ohio State, or you know, arguably the best football school in the world. And uh, this perfect storm of, like, things pulled me to say, hey, like, let's try to walk on. And that's actually the last conversation I had with my dad as he was attacked at the yard the next day. And um, that was the last thing we spoke about. And it became a thing, um, a promise I wanted to keep to him. And um, so, yeah, I found out when the walk-on workouts were. And uh, just a month or two after my dad had passed, Um, tried out walked onto the team and uh, you know that was the beginning of 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 the Sun's path if you will with the title so
2: yeah no doubt man no doubt you you go on from that situation you, you go on to do some really good things in the NFL and being attached to the New England Patriots franchise, I'm sure, probably means a ton to you still to this day. And But I want to ask you about Bill Belichick because, you know, from the outside looking in, such a polarizing figure for a lot of people in the NFL world, but you being around a guy like that on a daily basis, what did that mean to you as far as your career, maybe even off the field, being around a guy like Bill Belichick?
7: Um, you know, at first it's like he's your boss. Right, I mean, but obviously you know it's Bill, but it's like it's your boss and you're going to try to do everything you can to to do right by him and do what he tells you to do as best as you can do it. And uh, you know, the thing that was great about Bill is, you know, he's great at establishing a culture. And um, I think one of my favorite things about him was how he kept everyone accountable, but there were no favorites. You know, he's obviously got his favorites as Hall of Famers and guys that no, he'll always remember things of that nature. But when you're in the locker room and you're an active player, there are no favorites, you know. Uh, Tom can get it just as bad as, you know, an undrafted free agent rookie could get it. <laughs> it was um, they, that uh, consistency that Bill brought every day to all his players throughout, didn't matter who you were, uh, I just have so much respect for. And it really set the standard for the culture um, because when you see Bill go at a guy like Tom Brady, he's the greatest of all time, you know, you're definitely likely to get it too if you, if you do something uh, wrong. So, um, you know, ultimately Bill Bill set the standard, and then it was easy for guys to fall in line and, and understand, you know, what is required of you, what's asked of you. It, it was very black and white. He made that easy for the players. Like, you know, work hard, do your job, and if, if you don't, we're going to have problems. If you do, we're happy. Like, it's pretty sure. And, uh, that's, that's easy to work with, you know? Um, and, and on top of that bill led by example himself, you know, he's obviously an older guy, but he works as hard as anyone. I mean, the hours he put in, you know, I don't think I was ever in the building or left the building and he wasn't there. Um, he was always there, hard worker. He knew the details of every, uh-huh thing about the opponent about us everything uh you know you really couldn't get anything by him and and that's because of the work that he put in and leading by that example and asking that of us you know he he walked the walk himself too you know so um all the way around he was a great coach his own leadership but the accountability he kept throughout the, the locker room and the cultures that he established and obviously he's he knows what he's talking about and he's good at football and i learned a lot from him so um, i'm very thankful for the years that i had there it was uh, you know great to be a part of such an amazing organization and you know i made a little niche and kind of got you know a nice little eight-year career with the patriots <laughs> for a while there so it was, it was all good
1: yeah a few rings to show for it as well nate <laughs> ebner with us uh his yep. new book available on amazon.com finish strong a father's code and a son's path also available on amazon kindle um I would I'll ask you this and i and we'll we'll keep it maybe to a, to a minute here um because I'm sure you've probably been asked about the pressure of representing your country and playing in the Olympics and being a part of that that ceremony and then running out of a tunnel of a Super Bowl and the pressure of that with other teammates is there something that you found more nerve wracking or more satisfying than the other
7: um yeah, that's a big question to keep to one minute. Um, <laughs> Sorry, you know they're they're both they're both so different because the just nature of of the sport. You know, the Super Bowl you're about to play in the game, and it, you take your moment right. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you're getting ready to go. Like you got blinders on, and you're you're ready to focus on your job. Uh, when you do a walk in opening ceremony a couple of days before, a few days, maybe even a week before your competition. Um, you know, you, you have the time to and the luxury to to take it all in and have a moment. And it's, it hits different when, you, you know, you're not about to play a game, right? So I can really take my time and, and look around, take some pictures, and, and that opening ceremony is special. But uh, in regards to both, you know, they're both the pinnacle of, of sport, and that's where you want to be. Um, that's where they're most similar. But at the same time, they're very different because, of, like I said, you know, the Olympics is kind of like weak front end, whereas like the Super Bowl's just kind of that one moment. So uh, yeah, we'll just leave it at that
1: sure. no, that's that's a great answer, and it makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, we'd like to visit with you some more. We're a little bit out of time now, but I know that we'll have plenty of time um, to discuss this further. I hope the book is extremely successful. I'm sure it is already. Uh, I know it has a a tragic tale with the, your father being murdered, but I will tell you this. Uh, I lost my mother at 28, and there's not a day that goes by that I don't try to live up to her memory, and the fact that you wrote a book and came out of some dark times yourself, I can't imagine how proud he would be of you today with everything you've accomplished. Now, that's the, the problem with it, right, that he was cheated out of seeing all of this, but I think if you're spiritual enough, you realize that he is seeing it, he's still seeing you today, so... Well done, Nate. Well done.
7: Well, I I appreciate that so much, man. Thank you for the kind words. Thank you for the time and having me on. And, you know, anytime you want to revisit it, uh, just give me a shot. I'd love to jump back on
1: with you. We'd love to. We'd love to. Nate, take care of yourself, and congrats again. Thank you.
7: Thanks, guys. Thanks, Nate.
1: Nate Ebner, finish strong. A father's code, a son's path. Unbelievable. Check out his book now. Online at Amazon.com. Uh, I have a copy, and I can't wait to hit it on vacation next week. So uh, it's it's a tough one. Yeah. It's a tough one. Yep. Um, but I can't imagine maybe there are times that he looks back and says that uh, that the motivation and the anger and everything that led to a lot of things and wanting him to fulfill a father's, uh, father's hope as well. Yeah. Because there are two things you can do. You can punt or you can go. Mm-hmm. He went. Yeah. And that's pretty... Pretty amazing. We'll come back. Buckeye Bulletin. Rothman and Ice on the fan.
0: The only workplace in America to participate in the doorknob fart game. And we also play office basketball and sometimes do radio. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Rothman and Ice present...
3: Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Don't go through another air conditioner breakdown. For fast, friendly service, call the experts at Logan Services now for a free estimate and next day air installation.
2: All right, Iceman, lead us off. I got some stuff. I got some stuff for you, my friend. Bruce Feldman over at The Athletic cooked up college football's top 35 breakout player picks. And there was one Buckeye that made the list. Coming in at number seven, Mr. Jackson Mm -hmm. Smith in Jigba writing coaches inside the program feel like the six-foot Buck 97 sophomore from Texas is their next one. So, hey, I don't think that's going to surprise anybody. We saw him make that unbelievable touchdown grab, what, in the back of the end zone there with the kind of Spider-Man fingertips holding on to the football I'm not going to be surprised by this. I guess my only kind of negative, if you will, is is he going to have enough chances this year, right? We know the big dogs are still around. Olave and Garrett Wilson, it mm-hmm. starts and kind of ends with them in the passing game. But you're hearing this from Bruce Feldman, who who obviously is very tapped in in the college football world. And from the people AR that he's spoken to over there at the Woody, there's a yeah. little bit of a hype train cooking up for one Jackson Smith and Jigba. Well, here's the deal. The hype
1: train was... You had left the station a while back because he was a five-star kid. He was a top 50 ranked kid, and he was the Texas State Player of the Year. So coming out of that state, so think about that for a second. He was an Army All-American game in San Antonio. Like this, this he didn't come out of nowhere, and he's he he will be a star. I feel already he has star quality. He should get some opportunities, yeah. And he seems like a kid who will take advantage of every opportunity he gets. You're right. But you never know. You never know what could happen. Absolutely. You never know when someone gets dinged up or tweaked up, and other guys get get a chance. And he's already shown when he's gotten that chance what he can be. Yeah. But coming out of that
2: state to this team with that hype. It makes sense. And also, AR, like to kind of add to your point, you don't know how defenses are going to draw it up. When you're drawing it up, you want to stop Olave and Wilson first and Mm -hmm. make a guy like this prove to you that he can consistently hurt you. So he may be able to carve out his way there. Talented dude, no doubt. I'm not going to be surprised at all if he's doing a little bit of damage. Slot damage. This upcoming season, for sure. I love seeing dudes get the bag, especially former Buckeyes in the league getting the bag. And Mr. Jerome Baker with Miami. He has his bank account looking nice and pretty. He gets a nice three-year, thirty-nine million-dollar contract extension. The most important part: twenty-eight point four million dollars guaranteed. So, really good for him. He's only twenty-four years old, so He's this may be Miami in the three hundred five. No state tax, right? Is that an upcoming team? He's
1: in Miami, and you just told me he's got 28 million guaranteed.
2: (laughs) And uh, and, like I said, he's only 24. Today was a good day.
1: Today was a great day.
2: (laughs) So this may not be his only opportunity to get a contract. I loved what you brought up about Miami, young and upcoming team, right? That had a lot of success last year, and obviously Brian Flores and company are rewarding him with what he's done and what he's going to do. So he's in
1: line to be the next one of the next great ones. I mean, they've got you know. Taylor, Wake, Porter, edge rushers who used his outside backers at times. Like, like I think he could be one of their, the next
2: Dolphin great linebackers. This is what it's yeah. all about, right? From a third-round pick to this contract, and like you said, $28 million guaranteed. Yeah. Good living. Shout-out to you, Jerome Baker. I see you. Get the money, big dog. Get the money. And there are dudes that have, I mean, Raquan
1: McMillan, tried to be the next great, you know. And, you know, Zach Thomas has gone a long time, so... Um, He's got dudes he can he can get to in that Dolphin lore, <laughs> and I think now that he's got this settled with the contract, he's had a few great seasons. Um, certainly, he's not Zach Thomas. I'm not putting him at that level, but um, he's starting to get into the conversation of being somebody the Dolphins can truly rely on, and that's why he got that dough. <laughs> They're man.
2: not handing that out, no, for no good looks. A stud.
1: Yeah. He's a stud, man. That is today's Buckeye Bulletin. Uh, they're handing away cars over at Jermaine Honda on Salmo Road. Mm. I mean, they're not free, but, oh, okay. but they got a lot right now. They got a lot, and they got great deals. And their inventory is growing every day. And I told you they got a handful of those the fresh redesign of the 2022 Civic. Uh, I saw it yesterday. Uh, they've sold some. They've got a few left. So get over there. Um, you know, if you own a Civic, you want to get over there because you can wheel and deal right now on the new one. They're they're overpaying on trades. And the rates are as low as nothing, 0%. So it's a win-win there. But they've got more than 500 new and pre-owned. You don't have to get a Civic. Same-day service, you don't need an appointment. Once you purchase your vehicle at Germain Honda, that's when the relationship really begins. Great people over there. I've mentioned uh, Marcello and New and their team. I saw Stephanie yesterday sold a car. I was actually walking in and someone said, oh, I got a new car. I'm like, oh, which one is it? That's one. I'm like, uh, what year is it? I don't know said so, that's amazing <laughs> you loved it that much Doesn't matter. i didn't need all the specs Doesn't matter. give me that one uh but that was nice to nice to hear jermaine honda of dublin.com is the place to look for your next, your next great vehicle sports center update top of the hour we'll come back deep dive next rothman and ice in the fan
0: Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and Ice feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for A Deeper Dive.
3: Sponsored by United Dairy Farmers. Miss filling up before gas prices went up? Get UDF's low price lock with U-Drive.
1: All right, welcome back in. Third hour. Rothman and Ice. Anthony Rothman, Maddie ice Hayes. We got the Reds going here in about seven minutes at Milwaukee. You know what that means. time to bring the brooms out again. You said it, didn't you? How about last night? No score late in that game. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Castillo gets that nice call. 2-2 on the outside. It was generous,
2: but I thought Stevenson
1: framed it nicely. That's what you got to do. Hey,
2: I'll take it, and he's been good, man. He's really good again.
1: Can I give give
2: you a little bit on that?
1: Please do. Let me give you a little deep dive on Castillo. Do what you got to do, big dog. Uh you know what his ERA was in April and May? It was like 8 or 9, wasn't it? It was close, 7.22. You know what opponents were hitting against Castillo in April and May?
2: Can i get like
1: 350. Pretty close, 321. Mm-hmm. That's over 11 starts. Now he's had three starts in the month of June. You know what his ERA is? I'm going to go with like 2.4. Close, 1.93. Okay. You know what opponents are hitting against him
2: in June? Can I crank, can I crank out like a? 228? Something random like Uh, that? Not close. (laughs) 113. Okay. (laughs) Too high for my guy, Luis. No, I mean, I love that you threw that out there. It's so important that they have him do things like that, right? Because of the injuries and everything going on to the rotation. Uh, But yeah, he's been a major disappointment. Like The numbers right there didn't lie early on where we were with Luis Castillo and it was just crazy to see him struggle that much, but They go out there last night, kind of a a sleeper of a game, right? Throughout the process, not a lot of offense going on. But again, I think the bullpen overall, man, I gotta show, you know, shed some light on them. Yeah. I mean, hey, we'll take it in these small sample sizes. I don't know if it's anything I'm overly confident in in that this is something they're going to do long term, but I think over the last handful of games, those guys have been okay, and that's all you can ask for. So we'll see how they respond today, but if they come out of this thing with a dub and then back-to-back sweeps on the Rockies and the Brewers going into the Padres series, that's what you want. Yeah. That's what you want.
1: Yeah, just stick around for a while. Uh, well, the Browns want Nick Chubb to stick around for a while. You would think, you would think, I mean, he's he says he's got his agent on the case mm. and that they've started talking extension, you know, it's nice to hear a dude say, you know, Cleveland is where I want to be. Like that's there's a new thought, you know, around the Cleveland Browns, and he's heading into the final year of his rookie deal, and he wants a multi year extension. He deserves one, but deserving's got nothing to do with it. Hmm. It's a business, as I like to say. Business. Deserving's got nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um. Great little Western. We'll talk about that another time, but. Cleveland drafted him, and he feels connected to them. And now he's on a great team. He's a second-round pick. And his market value could make him a top six or top five back in the NFL. So now you get into these issues of $12 million a year for a back and what it means and where they are. And so it... You kind, of, you kind of run into that do you wait and see how you cash in this year or do you extend him now because you want him to be a part of the franchise? And I would say, all things considered, I think you want him to be a part of things going forward.
2: Before you and I kind of dive more into yeah. the numbers and, and the future of this, let's hear from uh, Nick Chubb mm-hmm. on you know, how he would like the future of this thing yeah. to look. Yeah, hey, I mean, a lot. I mean, Cleveland, Cleveland to me uh, you know, however many years ago it was, and trusted me and put their faith in me to come here and help build this culture and build this team that I've been a part of. And I feel like,
6: um, yeah, I mean, Cleveland's where I want to be. So I hope everything can work out in that in that direction.
2: So that's great to hear. Mm-hmm. That's great to hear. But the meat and potatoes of this is what you brought up. And it's how much and when. We all know how ridiculous he is. We all know that. But we also have seen... What some of these running back contracts have done mm-hmm. to certain teams, and how it's came back to bite them a little bit, as far as whether it's just hey the guy gets injured or he just doesn't have it anymore or whatever. There we've seen different examples for a lot of different squads. But quickly,
1: we've also seen examples of it really working. We've seen example of Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook. Well, right. Like where you've invested in guys where they've built the offense around you. Mm-hmm. And as much as this league is all about passing, the Cleveland Browns, are he's on, a, he's on the right team to get the right contract. Because he's one of the running backs, and, and some of the guys I've just mentioned, where those offenses are built around that guy. Mm-hmm. And I feel that way about Nick Chubb. Despite the fact that they do have a, a passing game, you have to be balanced, but it does... It prevents a tough question, right? What is he worth? He's worth a lot more to the Browns because
2: they know what they use him for. They know how they build their offense. So, I think another piece of this that we may have to bake in, Mm -hmm. no pun intended, is Baker. Because how much they pay him, I think, has to affect a little bit of this. Or vice versa, maybe. But I think more so probably what they pay Baker would mm-hmm. affect the roster more so than this. But if we're talking 12 and a half mil like you said, Derrick Henry, N- Dalvin Cook company, yeah, Can anybody I mean, push Dalvin, back I think
1: about 16?
2: Push yeah. back on that? I'm looking at the average per year. Oh yeah, okay. I thought you were talking about a That's guaranteed. all I'm saying, okay. just average per yep. year. I can't push back on that. I can't. I, I think that's what ballpark he is in. I think anything I, short of $12 million would be a real surprise to me. I, I think he's earned that. Sure, you could pick apart his game a little bit, and maybe you want more in the passing game and all of that. Sure, like th- that's fine. I don't need that. I need a little bit of it for my well, running back. Well,
1: I know, I know, but what I mean is that their running game, I mean, their offense, is it's so part of his physicality and what he can do. It's kind of like Derrick Henry in a way, right? Like It feels like he's that kind of guy.
2: No, I'm with you. I'm just bringing up all the different angles here. When we're we're talking about guys like McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara, they bring, it's scary to say a little bit more, but it's true. They bring another element Mm -hmm. of the game to the running attack. I'm with you on maybe you can view this through the same lens that we do view Derrick Henry, that this is such a force that is Nick Chubb, that Maybe that isn't brought to the table, but if I'm the Browns and Nick Chubb comes to me saying, Hey, I need 15, 16 million dollars like Kamara and McCaffrey, maybe that's not something I'm comfortable with because we don't have Nick Chubb racking up 70 to 90 receptions per year. Mm-hmm. But after you get past McCaffrey and Kamara, I'm good with paying him 12 to 15. I think that's where we are with this guy, north of five yards of carry since he stepped into the league. It's his market value, and it's
1: the right team, like I said. It's not a, it's not a, like, here's the other thing I look at, you talk about Baker. It's nice to be able to turn the game over to the running back when you do have games in hand. Mm -hmm. It does help your defense. It doesn't always, I mean, it's such a pass-happy NFL, and I know you need that to be successful, but... When the, Brown, the Browns now hopefully in their secondary is better. Hopefully they'll have a good enough defense where they'll have leads. And then you turn it over to him and say, win the game. They do that with Derrick Henry a lot. So like, I feel like that this is one of those occasions, there are not a lot of them in the league, where you would saddle up a running back with an extension like this
2: and feel okay about it. Another layer to this is what are their plans for Kareem Hunt moving forward? Because Kareem Hunt per year, he's making six. Six million dollars. Now he's is that got, something that's
1: a pretty team friendly extension he got, right? Two years? Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, but I the reason I bring that up is because do they want Kareem Hunt to be a long term mm-hmm. plan as well, a part of their plans? Is that another angle of this? Because if you're the Browns and you're saying we want Chubb and Hunt, well I can't imagine you're gonna want to pay Chubb all of the money in the world if you plan on keeping Kareem Hunt around. Because The dynamic duo that is Hunt and Chubb, I don't know if we're finding a better duo around the NFL. So I wonder if that is going to be a part of this process for the Browns when they have to get to the negotiating table with Nick Chubb.
1: Well, it might be. I mean, they could negotiate with him on, hey, we're giving you a great offensive line. I mean, that's true as well. I mean, he's got a good line. I feel like with Baker... It's tough because if I'm Chubb's agent, I'm saying my guy's getting these stats and they're putting all these guys in the box. Like my guy's seeing more, he's seeing eight or more man boxes as almost as anybody in the league. Top five,
2: I think. As he should.
1: Because of who's quarterbacking. As he should. Because teams are more like, well, let's make Baker beat us with his arm. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, wait a minute, my guy's getting the stats. I don't know what stat you threw out. Was he 5.2 per? Is He's that been said?
2: north of okay. five since he stepped into the league.
1: Yeah. So, And I'm doing that with a league that is making the quarterback beat us with his arm. So I'm seeing boxes that the other guys aren't. Um, so there's something there. And, you know, so... You got to look at the cap looking looking forward and all that, but there's uh, that may go
2: up right with all the the money that could be coming back around to the leagues, kind of crawling out of the pandemic. CB, this is your squad. Like this is a tough. What do you want them to cook up for Nick Chubb? Are we? Are you? Do you want them to go down to the McCaffrey and Kamara road with fifteen to sixteen
4: mil? It's a funny thing that you ask that because I believe a lot of people are debating in the fan base at least whether do you take precedence on signing Chubb or do you make that money, you go to someone like Ward, Denzel, do you give him his money? And I think personally I would do it maybe on a shorter term if we're talking about Chubb, but I can't get behind people want to make him a lifetime Brown. I just can't do that. I can't make it a long-term deal. So you're not comfortable with a four-year deal? (sighs) I wouldn't go anything more than that. I I do maybe three, maybe four. Okay. I don't think you get past four. I think that's what you'd be looking at anyway. But if
2: we're, man, Denzel Ward's a tough one, too, because of his availability year in and year out. Spectacular player when he's out there on the field. Nobody's debating that, but the health thing is a concern. And so, like, there's just so many different thoughts on paying running backs around the league. And we just don't know how the Browns feel yet because they haven't had to deal with this. You know what I'm saying? Like this type of situation to where your guy is so good, probably top five, seven in the league, no debating. And I think for Nick Chubb right now, but the ripple effects of paying the running back and the philosophy of the Browns front office, So we're going to find out a lot about how they feel about the value of paying the running back because some teams don't like to do that. Most teams don't. Yeah, And I would say it doesn't matter because
1: it works for Cleveland. And that's what I would say if I'm running the front office. It can't be just, well, nobody does it. You got to do what works for you. And so well, it doesn't work. But but most, also, most rosters aren't being built this way. I agree. But there's also
2: got to be another part of it to where I agree with you that you got to stick to your style. But he gets there's 3% also percent of the cap. But there's that's also fine. other layers of it, too, as far as who else we got to pay sure. that you got to think about. So there's decisions to make, like you saying. when you talk about Denzel Ward and does this affect him, does this affect Baker mm-hmm. and all that, and what does that do to our cap space over the next couple of years to where we can be a contender still and move money around mm-hmm. but pay Nick Chubb. So that's what I would be worried about, too, is, hey, are a couple of those offensive linemen, do, are, do, are we going to have to pay them and extend any of those guys moving forward? So. I think the formula. I'm with you on that. That I don't this think is they're what, that
1: cap strapped. Are they CB? I, I think they're fine. No, they yeah. made
2: room
4: to make. I'm not make it, it helpful, right but yeah. they, I mean, our uh, Wyatt Teller, he's coming up. That's what I'm saying. Like that, the domino effect of this mm-hmm. is what
2: I would be worried about. Is all I'm saying. I, it's all things considered. Yeah, you have
1: to. You're right. You could. You could pay Chubb when Mayfield and Denzel are worth an extension, and Garrett's extension kicks. You know all that. I I get it, but. If if Chubb gets three percent of the cap, then I think that's workable. And I, I feel like he just he works for them. He works for them. Now, they might say, We have him now. We don't have to do an extension. Like, let's see if we can cash in on this contending year. Well,
2: if you're Chubb, you want to get it done now. Of course. Because of the position that you, you play. Risk
1: injury. If you're the
2: team, you're probably willing to wait a little bit.
1: We'll come back with Truth, Rothman and Ice on The Fan. There's nothing like waking up, turning on your radio,
0: and hearing the ramblings of dummies. Common Man and T-Bone Weekend. Saturday morning at 10. The Fan. Tell the truth with Rothman and
1: Ice. All right, big guy. Tell the truth. Yes. Did you nude sunbathe or not? <laughs> no, I did not. All right. I don't know. it's what we kind of heard, but go ahead. All right. Well, we heard a lot of things that people couldn't unsee on the beach after being with you, and I wasn't sure. That can only funny. imagine what that All right.
4: was. All right. But there were reports out of Miami the other day that Tua Tungvalola threw five interceptions and in pouring rain in the first day of mini camp. On a scale of 1 to 10, what are your concern levels about Tua and reaching his potential? Not concerned about that. Like, I'm concerned, but not because he threw five picks in a pouring
1: rain. Yeah. Now, to hear him describe it, I don't know if you guys heard it, it was like, that was the whole experiment. Can we throw into tight windows? Pushing Let's the ball Let's not down worry field. about yep. Yep. making our mistakes at minicamp. Like, people are making a big deal out of this. Minicamp and a rainstorm, and they purposely try to see, in bad conditions, what we can come off with yeah. or come up with. So I'm not concerned because of that. I'm still concerned because we just don't know. And he's kind of turned into a, you know, that injury coming out of college, pretty pretty rough. Mm-hmm. And so he was never a sure thing coming out as far as that goes. He seemed like a sure thing coming out from a talent standpoint, mm-hmm. but that's 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 still up up for grabs. So I'm still concerned, but not because of this.
2: I'm still a believer, but mm-hmm. on a scale 1 to 10, 10 being the most concerned, I'm about a 6. I'm at about mm-hmm. a 6, but I'm with you. Not because yeah. of this, but because of what we saw last year. Now he's unpacked some things and said that the playbook wasn't as open as it is now and all that. So maybe we get a better Tua this year. And I think it can only help when you add a guy like Jalen Waddle to your offense. So I'm a still a believer in Tua, but I'm getting a little worried CB. So
4: I'll hit you up on a scale of one to 10 with a six right now.
3: And that, my boy, is the damn truth.
4: Okay, so Derek Carr said he would potentially quit football if the Raiders ever traded him or released him. Do you believe he's telling the truth, or is he bluffing?
2: I mean, I'm going to have to say he's bluffing. I think he is young enough to wear. I think he's got a ton of football left. If he can hang on to any job, if for some reason he doesn't. You know, stay with the Raiders, but yeah, I think it's kind of an emotional thing. He loves the Raiders. He's very passionate about that and all that. So, yeah, I think he's bluffing AR. I think he's pump faking us on this.
1: Yeah, I'm not buying it. Um, I, I, he's a Central Valley kid. This makes sense. The Raiders were his team, and he signed a 5 125 mil. Mm. It's a business. He knows it. Now he's a 4,000 yard passer. They got to start winning with him. But this whole. If I get traded, I'm quitting sounds like almost a veiled preemptive strike against the Raiders. Like almost but if they traded him, presumably they'd be getting Aaron Rodgers or somebody like that. Mm, So that sounds good. But you can't be old school. Like it sounds old school to say I'll quit if I get traded. But you're you're a baby, but you're also old old school. You know trades happen. So I'm all for him. I think this was just an emotional way for him to say how much he likes being a Raider. And it sounded good, but I don't believe it. Just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it.
4: All right, the All-NBA teams are out. And which player that was left off of the three teams do you think deserved the honor more? Jason Tatum or Donovan Mitchell?
2: I would have rolled with JT, Mm -hmm. Jason Tatum on this. Mm -hmm. But I got a big issue here, AR. We got to clean up this process with the All-NBA voting. Because media members should should not have the ability to directly affect the dude's bank account. You see how much money he lost by 30, not being on 30 this thirty some odd million. That's ridiculous. Well, he's got a lot of millions, but that's yeah, a lot of millions uh, too. That has to change
1: because. Well, are they voting for positions on the team, or can't they? How is this done? You know more than I do. You're just part of the All NBA team. They change, it, but I it's think team for a position, right? You're voting for a position. Like this there's guy gets three, that position. There's three
2: All NBA teams. They have changed it recently to where, since like the league has kind of gone positionless a little bit, okay. to well, where it's changed to a, like a couple fours. I'd have to clean okay. that up just a little bit, but it's changed. That would but be the problem. Either I would way, have. the root of this is craziness. We can't have humans that have emotions mm-hmm. and all this in agendas and favorites and all of that affecting guys' bank accounts. The NBA has to change this rule. I think it's absurd that we have this going on, but to answer the question, I would have put Jason Tatum on. All right,
1: so I'm Tatum as well, 26-7-4, and four, multiple 50-plus. I would, I would absolutely have had him. He averages more points, more rebounds, more steals, more blocks, less turnovers than, than PG does. And he's got more points, rebounds, blocks, better three-point, better free-throw percentage than Jimmy Butler. Like, he got robbed. It's not a snub. You got
2: this is a, a thief. This was thievery. I don't even care about the all it's the money, man. Like, that's, what I mean, it's was, was nuts take, to me, right? Like, so, I can't I imagine him. him waking up this morning mm-hmm. and knowing I lost north of 30 million dollars because of some dudes that vote. It's nuts,
4: gotta change it. The truth, it's overrated. One more here. Would you rather read minds or accurately predict the future? Well, in our business, I'd rather have the latter.
2: Isn't that kind of the same do. thing? No. Well, predicting the future. Well, reading minds to yeah. me—that's that's true. Now, I don't I guess, need to be dipping into people's yeah. minds and think, seeing what's going on. But you're telling us for yeah. the job we do, AR, if we could sit here and predict the future, If I could sit here and say, hey, your Vikings are going to win the NFC North, or you could say without they're
1: going to go, you know, six and eleven. I that ain't happen. here's the deal. <laughs>
2: that ain't happening.
1: This is a tough one. But if you're telling me I got to take the good with the bad, I don't think I want any part of the future. I don't want to know that much. I don't. I'm. I'm you give me Biff's pleasure paradise, and the, and the and the almanac. I'm all in. If this is just for financial gain, to predict the future, and to live a fruitful life, we're all. I'm all in on that. The reading minds. Can I? Do you automatically just see someone and you know what they're thinking? That's or can awful. You turn it on
4: and off. I think you could turn it on and off depending oh, on who yeah. you're looking at. See, the All ability right, so, to
2: turn it on, on and off is works for this because I like the show That's So Raven and her ability to look into the so future raven. was incredible. And if I could get any sliver of that, it would be great. That's so Raven is the future I can That's see. That's so Raven. You I, think that, that? I think
1: that came on before... Uh, Buckeye pregame show. I was doing a Channel Six on Saturdays. Am I wrong about that? I don't (laughs) think that was my lead in. That's so. I used to
2: be tapped in.
1: That's so Raven. Used to be tapped in. All right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if it's the good, if it's just good, good with with reading minds, I only get the good stuff. And then reading minds, I only get the good stuff with the future. Like I don't want to know deaths. I don't want to know like demise. I don't want. I just get the. But here's the, the other thing about predicting the future. If you automatically have the answers going in, then the whole mystery of life is over. Like mm. you all know, know everything. Yeah. So if you want to be, like I said, Biff's Pleasure Paradise sounds pretty good to me. Yeah.
2: I can't remember but. what show or movie I was watching, but there was like one, I think it was a girl, she had powers to where she couldn't help it. In whatever room she walked into, mm-hmm. She would feel the emotions and be mm. able to read minds, and that was just a torture chamber right yeah. there. That's a place where I do not need to be. Yeah, but all predicting right, well, the future though—that <laughs> betting, that's imagine what I'm betting if it's just for financial gain, I'm in. But if it's it's learning about your own future, your family's future, no, I don't. Yeah, like you don't want that. But I need the on-off switch. If you're telling me I get the on-off switch, give me yeah. predicting the future all.
1: Yeah, day how about a dimmer all. switch? A little bit of everything. I don't need that. We're back with Austin Ward talking Buckeyes next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. We know
0: everything about you. We know you love the Buckeyes. We know you love the Jackets. We know you're wearing a red shirt. I just freaked the hell out of someone The bad. Just a couple of guys whose love for fantasy sports May exceed their love for real sports This is
1: Rothman and Ice Alright, welcome back in We go right to the Bryan Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline Reconnect with our friend Austin Ward Ohio State football Beat reporter for Letterman Row A-Dub, back in the house How you been?
6: Great guys, thanks for having me back
1: Yeah, good. To, good to talk with you so you talked to a lot of people around Ohio State this, this proposal on a 12 team playoff where presumably Ohio State would get a lot of buys in the coming yeah. years and, and and then that their first game in, in that proposed playoff then obviously wouldn't be at home it would be at a neutral bowl site like is there is there a little bit of a like a toss up in that you'd love a home playoff game but you also want <laughs> the buy like how do people feel about this in your circles
6: Yeah, I think that they would much rather, you know, and this thing's not 100% nailed down because there are going to be, you know, some interest for programs like Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson that, you know, why don't, if we have a buy, we're missing out on a huge payday and a home field advantage playoff game, which, you know, everything that comes with that from the appeal, you know, that's not something that they want to miss out on. And so there's, this thing's not done, uh, you know, and I think that, you know, the other parts of this, there's nothing that they're going to be able to do to. Uh, you know, turn back, let the genie back into the bottle with losing some of the value to the regular season for Ohio State and Alabama, but the trade-off is that you you know in almost every circumstance you're going to be competing for the national championship. So, you know, there is no perfect um, solution for everybody here. Uh, I don't think this is one that Ohio State would particularly love, and they would fight, I think, tooth and nail to you know, get a buy and then have something on campus sites for the next round. At some point, I think college football powers to be just have to wean themselves off this, this bowl teeth and they can't seem to do it. And they're not even doing it with this proposal. And that's what, but that's what has to happen for college football to move forward. Cause these six sites for trying to do the quarterfinals and semis there, it's just, it's asinine and they need to be done with that.
2: Austin, earlier we were reacting to a little piece that Bruce Feldman put out and he was kind of laying out some guys, you know, that could be breakout guys this upcoming year around college yeah. football and for Ohio state He locked in on Jackson Smith and Jigba and some of the things that he had been hearing from some people over at the Woody as far as what he can be. Do you view this Mm -hmm. as an opportunity right here for Jackson Smith and Jigba to emerge as that kind of third wide receiver that you need to be worried about uh, if you're an opposing defense?
6: He's going to be a weapon. And I think there's a couple things that happened in the spring that tell you how confident Ohio State is, how confident Ryan Day might be. Uh, Brian Hartline with that unit, you know, when you move Garrett Wilson, we saw how productive he was in the slot. Move him back outside uh, most of the time, so that Jackson Smith and Jigba becomes that slot guy. That tells you how highly they think about his skill set uh, and what that means they can do to move around uh, the other guys. And then Jamison Williams, you know, if he's looking at he's trying to count up catches and and then the number of snaps he might have, number of targets, you know, I think everyone can kind of understand that that was probably trending towards Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, and Julian Fleming to throw him in there as well as a breakout candidate instead of Jameson Williams. So uh, those are all the signs point to that. You see him walking around. It's been great because the Woody's been open for the last couple of weeks for these camps, uh, and I don't really follow that recruiting as closely as my colleague, Berm, but you see the players walking around. They've been having their workouts and some throwing sections, and Jackson Smith and Jigba looks uh, ready to play that part in a big way. He, he's one of the more impressive dudes that you see walking around here right now.
1: Uh, We all feel like C.J. Stroud will be the likely starter, um, you know, this season. Who knows how how it unfolds in camp. But my question to you would be, whoever Ryan Day goes with, if that particular quarterback struggles in victory, I would think that they'd get a chance. Because none of these guys have experience, so it'd be almost unfair if they struggled while getting wins that you wouldn't want to stay with them let them work through their trouble. But God forbid there was an upset or something, or quarterback didn't play well against Oregon. I mean, do you ever see him actually pulling the trigger, um, going to the bullpen for a, for a new starter? Or do you feel like whoever gets the nod to start,
6: it's going to be theirs for a while? Yeah, I think, you know, Anthony, if you, if you get through those first two weeks, like you expect a first time starter to have some growing pains. But if Ohio State gets through those 2 and 0, well, you got some time there to really grow on the job and get comfortable. So, I, you know, I would, I'd be hard-pressed to Im- imagine that uh, if they keep winning, that there would be a change. I think it would have to be someone really struggling and, uh, and maybe a result goes the wrong way before Ohio State goes back on that decision because it, so many ramifications will come with it. Um, whenever that choice is made in August officially, and, and you're right, it's, it's almost certainly going to be C.J. Stroud. Uh, nothing has changed in that regard you know, well, that the other two quarterbacks will be thinking about that, Jack Miller and, and Kyle McCord, how that impacts their mentality, the way that they practice, the next steps for them if they want to make them in their career. You know, it, it'll be hard for them to, to backtrack on that decision once you get into September because so much will be invested in those last couple of weeks of training camp practices, those game reps that they give them. Like, you go on the road in the Big Ten to start and then play Oregon Week 2, I mean, that's a big deal. So, uh, I Sitting here right now in June, I think it would be tough for them to, to make a change in midseason, but Ryan Day is also not going to stick with something that isn't working.
2: Tyreek Johnson transfers to Nebraska. Uh, you know, for me, Austin, I think that's a unit I can't wait to see what it looks like is, is that cornerback yeah. unit and how they bounce back from, you know, taking some wounds and some body blows last year, maybe even a knockout punch there in the natty. Your thoughts on that transfer, and what should we be expecting from uh, this cornerback unit this upcoming year?
6: Yeah, I don't think it, that changes my outlook any, and, and Tyreek Johnson you know, went through spring and wasn't really going to factor into that rotation much in the first place for Ohio State. It's, it's unfortunate for him. I mean, He didn't ever do anything wrong when it came to uh, work ethic and practice habits and all that. It just It just didn't connect for him on the field, and I think the key now is that Uh, by fall that you're looking at a healthy seven banks, a healthy Cameron Brown. And those seven banks showed, I think, late last year, even when he wasn't 100%, he was playing like the best cornerback on that team, even with Sean Wade piling up the accolades. I I think he's a first-round draft pick, the next one in line here. And and Cameron Brown, I've seen him in some of these workouts in June. There are no signs of that Achilles slowing him down at this point. Uh, He's he's running around cutting uh, confidently. And I, I think his injury... You know, last year was just so weird uh, with the way things worked out in a lot of facets. But if you know, he goes down and week you know, in that Penn State game and they lose him for the season, and kind of, it kind of gets overlooked as one of the causes for why that depth and why that production secondary wasn't where it should have been, maybe for Ohio State by that standard. You put him back in there. I think there's a lot of excitement to have those two guys at the top of the depth chart. Josh Proctor back there, Lathan Ransom, those two guys working at some safety spots. That's that secondary. I think should be back to uh, that. They can reclaim that BIA moniker this year. There's no reason they shouldn't.
1: Great stuff with our friend Austin Ward, Ohio State reporter for Letterman Row. Thanks, Austin.
2: Uh, we hit the clock here, but we'll get back to you very soon. Thanks, man.
6: <laughs> All right, see you guys. Thanks, Thanks
2: buddy. Austin. I, uh, you know, I thought about this the other day. Is that you know we're a part of a kind of attached to a program that never really has to go through a bunch of rebuilding, right? It's always kind of reload. But as you look at this year's team, there's a ton of question marks, if we're being honest. How does that secondary bounce back? What linebackers are going to step up from a unit that lost three guys? Pass rushers. We're going to get up some more heat. I think the wide receivers are bringing up people a ton of confidence, rightfully so. The offensive line should be a really good unit. But we got the elephant in the room's quarterback. We got questions about that. And the running backs, I got questions about as well. So I know more times than not we're going to get a great product, but this year's team, I don't know if there's a ton that we can look at and say, oh yeah, we feel really, really good about what they're going to do. That's just how I feel. I may be off, but I've got a lot of questions right now. Yeah. I don't know if I have a ton of questions. I I do. I do
1: understand what you're saying about the secondary because they got exposed a lot and, but they still manned up when it counted as far as against the run And, you know, they're a pretty strong team there. But, yeah, in in the national title game against one of the best offenses we've seen, they got got shredded, and that's what we're measuring them against. But to me, it's certainly, you know, whoever inherits this quarterback job coming out is going to have a lot of pressure, but they got a ton of weapons. We know that. The conference is fairly gettable for them. It always has been, but it's about how they measure up to win a national title. So you're not wrong into thinking that it's just a snap-your-fingers-bounce-back. That's all I'm saying, is that I know that these dudes are
2: talented, and I know the coaching staff is one of the best in the country, but this isn't a kind of, hey, we got all these veterans back, and we we know what they are going to do. So that's why I've just been pointing at that Minnesota game and that Oregon situation there is, eh, you just never know. With a conference game, we know they're going to be more talented than Minnesota for sure, but it's just, uh, I thought about that the other day, is that I got questions, man. I really do. As far as what we're going to get, that's the fun of it. Yeah, no doubt.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, That's going to be the fun of watching this team evolve, and yep. the fact that you do want to be playing your best football when it counts. And look what happened last year when they struggled through, you know, a Big Ten championship game. We thought, well, this team can't win a title. <laughs> like th- they're going to get cracked. And look what happened. Yeah. Like it's when you have talent, you can write a lot of wrongs. That's it. And that's what we're going to find out. I uh, want to make sure you guys are out there treating your health as a priority. Get the quick and easy health assessment at Low-T Center. Talked about it all week. I'll keep harping on it because I believe in it, and I want you guys to get your numbers out there. Low-T Center's reinvented the doctor's visit. They'll make it quick and easy to get all your levels checked, not just your testosterone. So it starts with their annual wellness exam. you get your cholesterol tested, get that broken down. That way you can get a baseline on that. That way you have something to improve, and then you can show yourself in six months, like, the work you've done so get the comprehensive health assessment so you'll know all the numbers important to your health so if you've been feeling down a little bit you've gained some weight I get it it, it happens to all of us but it's a, there's a chance it could be low T or low thyroid or even sleep apnea and low T center is going to help determine the cause and help you so the guessing stops and that's the cool part at low T center and if you need the help they're there for you monitor self injected home testosterone treatments and get that take home blood pressure monitoring cuff and stay on top of it it's covered by most health insurance, so it's a no-brainer. Low T-Center book that annual wellness exam today. LowTCenter.com. Low T-Center reinventing men's health care. Come back with an NFL two-minute drill. Uh, Joe Burrow, an update on the knee. And the NFL sends out a memo. We'll tell you what that means next. Rothman and Ice on The Fan.
0: If the sound of another man slammed against plexiglass turns you on, you've come to the right place. Proud to be your home for Jackets hockey. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. It's time for the NFL Two-Minute Drill. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit sleepbettercolumbus.com today.
1: All right, NFL 2-Minute Drill. Matty Joe Burrow expects his knee to be fully healthy by the time training camp opens. That's great news. The knee still has a little ways to go, but my upper body, he says, right leg, everything else feels better than it ever has. Nice. It's great. He's in OTAs, limited basis, trending in the right direction, as we know. The tearing of the MCL and ACL, I don't even like saying it, mm. December last year, but Working on improving his deep accuracy. Remains on track for week one.
2: Okay. The great news. And one of those guys that could help out that deep ball accuracy is Jamar Chase. CB, let's hear how he's feeling right now about the chemistry between he and Jamar Chase.
3: Right back to where it was. I'm excited about where he's at. He's a really smart player that understands what we're trying to do in the offense. You know, I'm not going to have to tell him what to do every single play. He knows exactly what's expected of him, so...
2: You know, we got a lot of great guys on offense. We just got to execute on the field. Just pick it up right where they left off, right? 2019, wrecking college football. You know, your boy, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, CEA, and obviously Joe Burrow. It was crazy to see the damage they were doing. But that's, that's a great thing that they have. Honestly, it really is. Is that kind of, hey, I know where you like me to be. I know th- where the football is going to be and all that stuff. They don't have to iron that stuff out, yeah. man. I, I think it's a... Pretty underrated part of this pick, which is, I think, going to work out well. We'll just keep our fingers crossed with that O-line. That's it. That's it. I mean,
1: (laughs) you're going to get the eyeballs when you have the sexy pick like that. It's not, this is the sports car versus the SUV. This is the practicality. Do I need need that? Can I get through winter in this car? It's not all-wheel drive kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Cleveland Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield uh, reiterated again no rush to get an extension done Oh, I think it's good that he's saying this publicly everything happens for a reason it'll handle itself and they're worried about winning they gotta live up to this hype man and I I, I don't know what he's thinking privately that's his
2: agent's job but I love what he's saying publicly well I think he just told us what he's thinking privately hey uh, let's wait so I can run it up even more I'm gonna run it up even more on you if we have a successful season I look I understand where, and be, where and he's I'm al- at. And I'm with that. That's fine. I understand where he's at. I've always viewed it from Andrew Berger's perspective. Let's get it done now and save a little money and move it elsewhere. But if you're Baker and his agent, and, and more importantly, if you're Baker and you're confident in your abilities to repeat what we saw at the latter portion of last season, then, yeah, waiting on you know a contract isn't the worst idea for him. But, hey, it absolutely changes things if he uh, – Goes out there and crushes it again. It's unworthy. It he did pick right. up his fifth year option.
1: That's going to be nineteen mil pretty for twenty twenty two. So I mean, come on. so pretty there'll be change. something there. Yeah, man. Uh, finally, unvaccinated NFL players are going to have a harder time this season. Yeah, they will. They will because they're going to have they're going to be wearing masks and they'll have to social distance and they'll be daily tested and they won't be able to go home for a bye week and they'll have to come back and test every day. And when they go on the road, they won't be able to go out to dinner with anybody. Like. Yeah, have to travel on buses differently and planes differently and all mm-hmm. that. Like, yep. I think these coaches, like Mike Zimmer, are trying to express to their dudes, I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm just telling you what the consequences are if you don't. All you can so do. It's kind of similar what John Rom faced on the PGA Tour. No doubt. Like, it's all you can do, pass along the information. He's entitled. These to are not grown do men. It.
2: They can do what they need yeah. to do, but there's other things that come with it if you don't. So that's the world we're living yeah. in right now.
1: That'll do it for the NFL two-minute drill. All right, big guy, yeah. you're you're uh, you're hitting that airlock out of here it's gonna be a minute man it's gonna be a minute all right enjoy your time off you too brother cb will be in tomorrow with me all good have a great afternoon rothman and ice on the fan